calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hey, <laughs> is, is this, is this working? Wow. <laughs> is, this, is this working right now? <laughs> I think you did it. I think you did hey, it. Look, all of the, all of the weight was on, all of the technical weight was on these shoulders. So, but Haskell 420 has said we are live. So I'm hoping that this is coming through right now. How's it going, folks? So as you can see, Johnny Roca is not here with us at the moment. He had a little, um, uh, a little automobile trouble. Um, he is trying to get here as soon as he can, and there oh. he is. <laughs> this is a Toyota Prius stuck on the side of the road in San Diego. Unfortunately, I won't be able to hang out with the guys for the first hour. We've got a tow truck coming in two minutes, so hopefully, he'll take us to the dealership, which is literally right fucking there. So it's the worst situation you could possibly imagine. And it's our five-year anniversary today. So it's the worst situation you could possibly imagine. But I promise I'll do my best to come back on later. I just want to say hi to everybody and tell these guys they're going to kick ass and that's it. I, I got to say, you're, you're taking this whole live Geek Buddies thing to a new level. <laughs> Baby, you want to say hi? No? Okay, all right. Well... She just climbed a fence to get us some Diet Cokes and coolant for the car, so uh, it's probably not the best of moves. Uh, anyway. Well, tell her tell her she probably should not put Diet Coke in the car. <laughs> anyway, all right. I'm going to get out of here. You guys kick ass. Thanks, guys, and thanks, everybody. Wish us well, and hopefully I'll be on in another hour or so. All right. Go, go, go take care of the Lady Outlaw. I will. Thanks, guys. Bye. So right, when well. John, when John was taking me through, because, you know, the last time Vogel and I did this by ourselves is about a year ago. And I don't remember anything like I found the old email, but he's just like, hey, you know, I might jump in and kind of watch from the background. Uh, I had no idea that he was going to pop up 
pop up just then. Well, there you have it, guys. This is what happens when the outlaw is not a part of Geek Buddies. We are outlawless for the moment. As you can see, he is on the side of a road. Uh, so let's get weird and wild. It's Friday. It's live. And we are here to talk the week of geek with all of you. Um, I guess we should start with our intro, which we did not do. Shannon, you want to take it away? Uh, I'm trying to remember what John says. So I'll just say welcome to another episode of The Geek Buddies! <gasps> hey! Hey! Uh, so thank you guys for joining us on a Friday afternoon. Uh, if you guys are usual Geek Buddy hangouters, you know how this goes. Um, but if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. This is not your typical episode. Uh, usually we have three big geek news topics of the week and a main topic. But this week was kind of an odd week. There wasn't a ton of stuff going on. So we decided we want to go live, talk about a couple of things, and then get your questions, get your Streamlabs, and kind of just cover everything we wanted to cover in the week of Geek. Obviously, we are going to do some vamping until Mr. Roca hopefully joins us. Or we're just going to talk shit about him for two hours and he can get mad at us later. We're going to see how things go. Um, but Mr. McClung, where are we starting today? Well, we're starting with something that we are comfortable with, Michael. We're starting with trailers, trailers, trailers. So we've got three, three very different, uh, very different things that are coming to uh, your, uh, coming to your TV very, very soon. And the first one, we got the uh, trailer for the second season of Welcome to Wrexham. Now, for those of you, you know, we have talked about it on this show before. If you are a newer audience member, Welcome to Wrexham is a docu-series about Hollywood stars Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, who purchased a uh, a Welsh, one of the oldest uh, football clubs, I think, uh, in the in the European Football League. Now, John's going to school me when I get when I get these acronyms wrong, but it is in uh, uh, Wrexham, Wales. And the first season of this show was an absolute delight. I mean, if you'd ever wanted to see what Ted Lasso looked like if it actually happened in real life, it's kind of it's kind of this show. I mean, watching Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney. Um, go into this, go into this uh, Welsh town, which I, I believe, according to them, it, it had fallen on some hard times. Like a lot of these football clubs, when the town does well, the football club does well. When the football club is not doing well, the town's not doing well. So watching them sort of make this, uh, make this offer to buy this team, and uh, Ryan Reynolds, not not a not a football guy, not a or, or for Americans, not a soccer guy. Um, but watching them be just embraced by this town and watching this club um, get better and better and better. Now, the 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 goal in, in these, you know, multiple leagues is to be promoted at the end. And I don't think they got that. But um, I started following them on Twitter and uh, uh, there's certainly some spoilers <laughs> for the second season. But watching uh, watching this trailer for the second season, it just it just makes your heart feel warm. Um, and I, I honestly cannot wait for this show to return on FX. Mikey, what did you think of our first look at season two of Welcome to Wrexham? Well, since I haven't watched season one, I got some good spoilers for season one, but uh, I will still say that the trailer made me excited to both catch up on season one and watch season two. I think it's just like a, such a crazy idea. I did watch the first three or four episodes of season one, and like, you know what? The main thing that I took away from those episodes and why I will 
wrap up season one and watch season two is I think Ryan Reynolds really is as cool as we all hope he is. <laughs> That's basically what I take away from this whole thing is like Ryan Reynolds kind of is doing whatever he wants in life and everything that he does seems like cool stuff to do. Like, you know, we've all, we all, you always have those stories of the stars that you are into that you're like, oh, this person's awesome. And then there's a controversy. There is an issue. There is video footage of them going crazy in Hawaii, like whatever it is. And you're just like, oh, yep, I guess that person isn't as cool as I thought. And thus far, Ryan Reynolds is proving that he might just be that cool. Uh, and watching the two of them in this trailer, it's just like, this is the weirdest thing that two rich people did, but I'm into it. Um, so I'm I'm very excited to check it out. Um, and yeah, it kind of is, I think it's gonna scratch the itch that uh, maybe season three of Ted Lasso did not fully scratch for me. Yeah, you know, watching, uh, again, watching as like, Rob McElhenney is, is from Philadelphia. He's a big Eagles fan, big sports guy. Um, watching Ryan Reynolds, who was not a sports guy, um, get more and more into this into this game. And you, you, uh, for all of our sports fans who are out there, you know, you, you understand what it's like to have your heart ripped out of your chest when your team gets this close to winning a game, a match, what have you. Um, so, so knowing that um, the team did well enough for these two Hollywood superstars uh, <laughs> to, to keep going with this docu-series. It really, really, it really makes me happy. And Welcome to Wrexham Season 2 is going to start on September 12th on FX, and it will also be on Hulu right after. Right. So that, that brings us to the uh, next trailer, which is the second season of I Am Groot. So for those of you folks that saw the first season, these are just a bunch of Groot-centric shorts. And again, they're just a delight. It's, um, it's just watching uh, not quite adolescent Groot, more than baby Groot, but Groot basically from Guardians Volume 2 running around and getting into Groot-centric misadventures and watching how they have kind of weaved in the things that we as as kids all kind of enjoyed like an ice cream truck um watching what what that's like with a guardian spin so mikey what did you think of our first look at the second season of i am groots i mean it looks great it looks awesome i I think I have this thing with a lot of Disney Plus stuff. Uh, and I feel like Disney Plus, do, I mean, I like a lot of Disney Plus stuff. If you listen to Geek Buddies, you know I'm a Disney nerd. But one of the one of the pet peeves I have with Disney Plus is when they make a big deal out of something that takes me five minutes to watch. <laughs> um, so I really liked, I liked all the season one of I Am Groot. I thought they were super cute. I mean... It's high quality CG animation. It's very clever. It's very funny. Groot's adorable. I think every single one of them is funny. I watched them in about 20 minutes and then I moved on with my day. Um, so now that we have five more of them, I will watch them in 20 minutes. I'll think they're cute. I'm going to move on with my day. I just think, uh, you know, they've done similar stuff with like the Baymax shorts with some other things. It's like, I don't know that packaging less than 10 minutes or less than 20 minutes of stuff and calling it a season and really going out there is like, it doesn't get me as excited as I would like it 
to get me. And I think that if everything else was firing on all cylinders with Marvel and I was just, you know, wrapped up, thought Quantumania was awesome, still reeling from the amazing, shocking ending of Secret Invasion and couldn't wait for the Marvels, then this would be like a really nice like, oh, okay, I am Groot. Yeah, wonderful. Add it to the pile. But I think when... uh when the rest of the Marvel boat is sinking, these 20 minutes don't do... This is not the life preserver that I need. So, okay. So so is it basically... Because you mentioned Baymax as well. Is it the short format that you are not into? Because, I mean, I, I do get the the little bit of a Marvel malaise that we're feeling right now. And, you know, revisiting it might... It's, it's not going to... It's not going to scratch the itch that secret invasion would have if it had knocked it out of the park for everybody but with baymax um because i watched the doug shorts from the, yeah. the up from, from up and I, I didn't watch them from beginning to end i try not to blow through them all at the same times i watch like one a day um do you think is it just the short format that you are not that it's into? not that i don't it's not that i dislike the short format i think shorts are great um, but I think that it's a content thing. Like what it, it, what Disney plus is clearly doing is any streamer wants to constantly give you, Hey, we've got new stuff. We've got new stuff. We've got new stuff. And Disney plus, you know, when you like, they are promoting the hell out of Ahsoka, which we're going to talk about in a second. And when they have a big Marvel show when they have a big movie release coming out, when they have those big things, they promote them. But when they treat these short form formats, in the same way that you treat your longer format things, I feel like it feels a little bit too PR marketing spin. I think the shorts are great. And if you just drop them up there one day, or if you package them like had Guardians 3 come out and you had said, hey guys, this this Tuesday on Disney Plus is Guardians Day. It's Guardians Volume 3. It's I Am Groot Shorts. I Am Groot Season 2. All the Guardians things are up. Like, like making a big thing out of it. Like, if it's additive, you know, shorts originally were the thing that you watched before a movie. And it was additive and it was great. And when you see a really great short, like Pixar did it excellently you know back for years like going to see a pixar short the shorts were amazing and then you got the main course of the movie i feel like that's what it is like shorts treated like a main course still leaves you hungry that was a, a de delectable delectable metaphor. okay okay, okay. <laughs> But you all let us know what you think. I mean, personally, I do I do enjoy the short format. I think they're a lot of fun. And because we have worked in them, I mean, it's always an interesting challenge trying to tell a complete story in a in a reduced uh, reduced uh, amount of pages. Um, but you all let us know what you know do you, do you, or let us know what you think. Let us know if you think uh, Vogel's right. Or, uh, or like you, you don't want you don't want your appetizer as a main course, or do you think I'm right? You just like to snack throughout the day. But either way, I am Groot season two premieres September sixth on Disney Plus. And speaking of Disney Plus, not that we needed any more marketing for Ahsoka, but we got uh, uh, one more brief, but one more uh, little preview for Ahsoka today. Uh, I don't know if it was today or, or yesterday. Actually, I saw I it on it's Twitter. Today. Um. But I mean, this one we get to see a little bit, uh, a little bit more lightsaber play. We get to see uh, Ahsoka and Sabine uh, way back when, when they were training with some wooden lightsabers. Um, yeah, Mikey. I mean, I mean, uh, we already know that your uh, enthusiasm level for Ahsoka is off the charts. 
Um, what did you think of this new trailer? Uh, I don't think this trailer is showing us anything that we haven't already seen in some form in the other trailer. I mean, we see a little bit more of Sabine and Ahsoka sparring with each other and Ahsoka training Sabine, seemingly. Um, look, we don't need any more hype for Ahsoka, but I'll take all of it. I am so hyped. I I hope that I'm not overhyping myself, um, but I am ready. I am into it. Uh, driving around LA now, you see Ahsoka on the side of buses. You see Ahsoka billboards everywhere, and I am hyped for this um you know the latest the latest that i've seen um you know based on this and some of the other trailers and stuff are coming out i've seen people um thinking that perhaps uh balen skull and shin hati are like maybe part of the knights of ren or early parts of the knights of ren and that this is going to sort of connect to the sequel trilogy in some ways that we're not expecting um, a lot of conjecture about Morgan Elsbeth and her being like uh, one of the remaining Night Sisters of Dathomir. So you know, Filoni, at this point, for better or for worse, has earned the reputation of taking a lot of pieces of the Star Wars universe that maybe weren't fully thought through or didn't necessarily work for everybody, and really sort of uh, connecting the dots in ways that get people really, really excited. And so there is a lot, I think, of expectation writing on this, um, you know, particularly because Book of Boba Fett didn't really do it for any everybody. Uh, fans are kind of split on whether Obi-Wan Kenobi was a good series or a mediocre series. And then Mandalorian season through, three, uh, even though I think we all felt like it ended on a really strong note, was a little bit of a bumpy ride uh, and confused a little bit of people by throwing those episodes of Mando into Book of Boba Fett. So it, we've, we've got Andor, like we all felt really strongly about this, but Ahsoka is so beloved and these Rebels characters are so beloved that I think um, expectations are riding high on this. And I'm, I'm right at that pinnacle that I think you get as a geek where your excitement level has sort of reached as high as it can reach. And so then you just start getting worried like right now I'm in like sort of getting into the anxiety zone of like, okay, yeah, okay, you gave me another trailer. I get it. I'm excited. Okay, he mentioned Anakin. Okay, uh, Sabine's maybe a Jedi. Wait, where's Ezra? Okay, like Thrawn's coming back. And at this point, I'm starting to get worried that I'm going to overhype myself, which is, uh, which is a thing that geeks are very guilty of. I mean, we saw this moment before with Ray Stevenson's, uh, what is it, Balin Skull? That's his name. Um we saw that moment earlier where in an earlier trailer where he says to Ahsoka, Anakin spoke highly of you. And there's just something about this, you know, this newer star Wars that we're getting when we're bringing in these, you know, really uh, incredible, incredible actors hearing names that we have heard for decades um, coming out of new great acting mouths. I mean, when he says, and I think it, the, the clip is the line is, cut together from two different two different sections but when he says ahsoka tano anakin spoke highly of you and then just it that just stirs up so much it stirs up so many emotions and it stirs up so it stirs up a lot of headcanon like oh my gosh how did these two know each other are we gonna see a younger anakin are we gonna see a younger younger balan it's one of the things that does get me really really excited and watching how new creators kind of are able to put their spin that still fits within the canon, like within with Mandalorian season one, when 
uh, uh, Gina Carano's character, whose name I'm Cara Dune. Um, when we hear we hear her refer to the Imperials as imps. I mean, yeah. it's the type of thing like I don't ever remember hearing that. I think that was the first time they were referred to as that. But that's the type of thing is like, God, I love I love this giant toy box that new storytellers are getting to use. And sometimes it turns out great and sometimes it, it leaves us a little wanting. But based off of everything we've seen from Ahsoka thus far, I am with you. Like, uh, <laughs> I think Star Wars TV is kind of it's about a 50 50 success rate right now. Um, but fingers crossed that, that this one is, you know, is just going to knock our socks off. Um, well, we'll see. I'm nervous. Ah, well, I don't know. Well, before we take our first break, you know, uh, so our, our stream labs are open right now. If you all have something you want to throw out there that we actually have three right now. And the first one, it actually really goes to talking about animation and shorts. Um, but it is from the Lord of Darkness. And it says, hold on, I can put pull this up. Hi, guys. Happy Friday. It's late here, but just dropping some love. And my question is for Vogel. Vogel, how did you figure out you wanted to go into animation and writing as a career? Much love from Amon. Mikey, um, tell, us, wow. tell us some stories. Tell us about a young was... Michael Vogel at Florida State University. Picture it. Sicily, 1977. <laughs> uh, no, I um, I don't know. You know, I think, well, I've told, I mean, I've, I've told this story a lot. Like, I think, like everybody, as a kid, I grew up watching cartoons all the time. Like, I loved cartoons. We all did. Saturday morning cartoons. Came home from school, watched cartoons. Loved Transformers, G.I. Joe, Gem and the Holograms, My Little Pony, Strawberry Shortcake, Thundercats, Silverhawks, Brave Star, like I pr- DuckTales, Rescue Rangers, Tiny Toon Adventures, like Batman the Animated Series, Superman the Animated Series, like just kind of watched everything. Um, I think for me, there was, I remember distinctly a certain age where I... I thought that I was getting too old for cartoons. I was at that age where I was starting to become like, I was like heading towards middle school in a couple of years. And I knew that I had to start acting more grown up. And I was like, maybe it's time to put cartoons away and like, like more grown up things like, uh, I don't know, MTV rock and roll. I don't know. But, uh, then in 1988, who framed Roger rabbit came out. And then in 1989, little mermaid came out and I was done. I was like, I'm good. Um, Also, I was popular in high school because I could draw all the Disney princesses for the high school quarterback when he wanted to draw me to give pictures to his girlfriend. He'd be like, yo, Vogel, my girlfriend likes Princess Jasmine. Can you draw her? And I'm like, sure. And that made me popular. So I think like drawing animation, loving animation, it was always just like a part of my DNA. Um, and it was always something that I kind of loved more than anything else. And because of Roger Rabbit and because of Little Mermaid and then that whole Disney Renaissance, I just never stopped watching cartoons. Um, and now I don't think I'm ever going to stop watching and working in cartoons because pretty much what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. (laughs) I will say freshman year at Florida State, had you gone into your double major at that point or were you considering it? Because at the beginning, when Vogel and I met, we were both majoring in theater. That's how we met, as we were in a play together. Um, but I do, but I do remember, I do remember like you taking an art class, and that was sort of. I think when I was did a it double major? I think I was a double major from the get go. I think I always was like I was very confused as to whether I was going to be an actor or an animator or like I knew I was going to do something entertainment wise, but I wasn't quite sure. So I think I just was covering my all my bases from freshman year on. All right. Oh, well, what play? We were in a shitty play called what was it the called? Poet, the poet and the rent. The poet and the rent. And like, <laughs> really quick before we take the break, Shannon and I were the worst act. Like, 
we were we were we weren't not the worst actors. We were the worst cast members. <laughs> we were the worst cast members. We <laughs> skipped a lot of rehearsals to go see uh, movies at the local AMC, and uh, the director did not like us, and we didn't really like the director. And the only good thing about that play was that Shannon and I became friends. But here we are. So you know what? That part worked. We're still here. Roke is on the side of the road, and I have no idea where that director is. So who's the winner? <laughs> you tell me. In the it just just a little a little button to the story. Uh, the, the day the, the 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 principal reason we got in a lot of trouble was we skipped a rehearsal where the cast was building the set to go see Sylvester Stallone in daylight. <laughs> <laughs> and we got lunch at the food court afterwards and just chatted and bonded. And then when we actually did the play um, in the cast program in the back, there was a special thanks section and every member of the cast was listed in that special thanks section, except Michael Vogel and Shannon McClung. So Lord of Darkness, thank you so much for uh, your, uh, for your question. Um, we actually have a, a couple more before we do this first break. And this one is from Fredtastic314. And it says, hey, Geek Buddies, when the big cat is away. <laughs> After rewatching the Blue Beetle trailer, it got me very excited for the movie. I think 30 million is very possible. What do you think? Well, this Mikey? is actually great. We should we should bring this up. I mean, everyone's been texting about it. Blue Beetle has gone through this really kind of wild journey. It kind of first came out and I think there was general excitement about it. A lot of people love Jaime Reyes. Uh, a lot of people love that he finally was getting his big chance to be on the big screen. Latino superhero. Like there was a lot of stuff that got people stoked. And then I think as the current slate of DC movies, uh, you know, Shazam 2 kind of dead on arrival, The Flash was The Flash. And I think that sort of the feeling was people weren't feeling great about Blue Beetle. There was some word that it wasn't a great movie. It wasn't doing well. Now people are coming out of screenings and everything I'm hearing is positive. So maybe. Now we also heard before The Flash that it was the greatest superhero movie of all time and that everybody thought it was the best thing they had ever seen. So at this point, I'm kind of... I'm cautiously more excited than I was a week ago, but I'm still unsure am I, I mean are we going opening weekend of course we're going opening weekend are we gonna do a live spoiler review and talk all about it of course we're gonna do a live spoiler review and talk all about it so we'll definitely have a lot of thoughts on blue beetle but i don't know shannon are, where where are you on the excited meter at this point with blue beetle i mean i think just knowing that this version of the dc the dc films is ending like it, it can't go higher than like a five or a six um, but I think that's actually the best way to go into it. Like having those, that's one of the reasons, you know, I, I enjoyed Dial of Destiny so much as I had heard just, oh, it is not good. It is, what a travesty. Uh, so going in with that lowered bar, I was like this, I'm really enjoying this. And I think that's probably the right way to go into Blue Beetle right now. Um, I do like uh, uh, Zolo Maraduena. I mean, I, I like his casting as Jaime Reyes. I, I, I like George Lopez, even though his long beard is weird. <laughs> um, uh, uh, but a, as a character, like from the comics, from animation, I really like this version of Blue Beetle. I mean, when they're in sort of that that lair where you see the old Ted Cord costume, and I forget the 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 alter ego of the the first Blue Beetle, but that type of thing, I, I really like that because to me that indicates 
they they did a little bit of research at least. Um, so I'm just hoping it's fun. And if we get just a nice afternoon at the movies, I mean, that's that's encouraging to me. Now, like, and, and I don't know where this num- number came from, but someone said, oh, it's tracking 12 to 14 million, even for something that was originally going to be a streaming movie um, that they then decided to pivot to a theatrical release. That's a really low number. Um, now, other articles are coming out being like, hey, we think it's going to do better. We think it's going to be like 30 or 40 million. And they're talking about how the the tracking can be off because um, Latino audiences, they're, they're a big audience. And a lot of that, they talk about walk-up sales that a lot of families will decide, hey, let's go to the movie. Maybe they didn't buy their tickets in advance. Maybe they're not searching for it. But they're like, oh, that's right. At Blue Beetle, let's go check that out. So, I mean, just for, I would love them to get a win. Um uh, even if the movie is great or not, I would love to just see it do well. I mean, again, his work in Cobra Kai, I really like uh, Zola Maraduena. Uh, and so I hope I hope that this character and if we all are on board with his performance, I hope he's able to make that make that jump over to uh, over to the gun verse. Do you think. Now, God has kind of said that Blue Beetle is like the soft launch into the new DC, like, has he sort of, have they said officially, or did I make that up? Like, did they sort of say that, like, Jaime is gonna make the jump, or are they keeping their options open? Like, I think what he said was Jaime Reyes is the first character from the new DC universe, but Superman Legacy will be the first movie in the DC universe. Now, you know, I, I know we all kind of went into the Flash thinking, okay, during one of these post credit sequences, we're gonna see some crazy some crazy time portal and you know we're going to we're going to see some of our new some of our new heroes and that and that and we we certainly did not <laughs> but i do think when gun says something like that i do think it's a very deliberate statement now what that means i mean we're all we're all kind of taking a stab in the dark um do i think they're going to do a big portal at the end and you know you see a bunch of worlds slam together Probably not, but I do think I think they want to include that version of the character. Whether or not it's the same actor, that's another question. I I guess, yeah. I mean, it's a it's an interesting, it's a very specific statement. It's an interesting statement. Like, what does that mean? Like, like Blue Beetle's the first character. Like, if this is the actor and this Blue Beetle is in the universe, then this movie would be in universe. And if that's not the case, I'm really curious as to like. It's a, it, you know, it's one of those statements you're like, that sounds great. Okay, he's the first character. Superman Legacy is the first movie. What does that mean? Like, what does that mean exactly? <laughs> I'm very, that's a, that's a, that's a word salad statement. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a non-committal statement is what that is. If Blue Beetle comes out and is a huge hit, it's like, well, of course that's what I meant. Uh, but you know well, what, we will find. I feel, I feel like we're leading into our next topic, so why don't we take a break and then just continue talking about this because it's going to lead right into uh, some other James Gunn uh, who's saying what to who. I think that is a great idea. Let me just, just give me a second here. Just give me a second. You got it. This, you got is, it. this is new for me. Now, can you, put your, can you put us on a break, not disconnect us, and sing during the break? That's really the question that I want to know. I will be able to tell you that in one second. Fingers crossed. We'll be right back after this. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. 
Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. All right, I think everybody in the chat needs to give Shannon some love because uh, <laughs> I don't know I don't know how well you guys know Shannon, but I know Shannon very well, and he's very nervous this episode. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of anxiety happening uh, with this guy and his Mario Kart microphone. So uh, do I sound like do, is my, does the mic sound bad too? Oh no no! Someone in the chat just said it looks like you have a little steering wheel and you're about to like go shoot. <laughs> <with Michelle's laughs> And I, and I did. I did the thing when we do when we do the live shows. I kind of like have one eye on the chat, and I'm kind of like kind of reading what people are saying. And then I, I I hadn't looked at your microphone, and someone said, "Does he look like he's driving in Mario Kart?" I'm like, "What are they? Oh no, no, they're right. That is oh, definitely what that looks like." Oh, they think I'm Toad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, not no. Um, <laughs> Well, yeah, speaking, uh, you know, we were already on the subject of the things that James Gunn says or doesn't say about the DC Universe as we all sit here and for the next year and a half to two years uh, hang on every single word and try and understand what it means. Uh, One thing James Gunn is apparently not saying is that he's making Wonder Woman 3, but Gal Gadot certainly seems to think that he is. So, uh, you know, we already covered this. Um, you know, Gal Gadot saying in a recent interview that James Gunn and Peter Safran told her that they would develop Wonder Woman 3 together. Um, but Variety is reporting that sources with knowledge of the situation say that that is not the case. According to the sources, a third Wonder Woman film is not in development at DC, nor do Gunn and Safran have plans at this time for any Wonder Woman project in the new DC universe other than the previously announced Paradise Lost prequel series for HBO Max, or sorry, for Max. Um, now, yeah, Godot suggested a couple times now that Wonder Woman 3 wasn't dead in the water. Uh, she said she loves portraying Wonder Woman. It's so close and dear to my heart. From what I heard from James and from Peter is that we're going to develop Wonder, Wonder, Wonder Woman 3 together. So it's just very interesting. Now, the first time she mentioned this, it was in her, it was an interview that was like several months ago. It's kind of like surfacing now, but obviously and she's not being interviewed now. No one's being interviewed because everyone's on strike. But um, just throw this in the pile of one more thing where it's like, what, what's, what's happening? What is happening? Yeah. I mean, it's very Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? It, from a certain point of view. I mean, f- <laughs> I, you know, from her point of view, like, do, do we think that Gal Gadot and granted, you have to also consider when that interview was given, right? That it, it was given a, a, a bit up. There was some time in between the interview and when it was printed. Um, You know, I mean, maybe from her conversation, that's kind of what she took from it. Uh, You know, there can be a lot of times we kind of hear what we want to hear and we try to focus on the positive. Whereas Gunn and Safran could have been like, yeah, anything could happen. We don't we don't know right now. Anything could happen. Um, I do think and, you know, we've talked ad nauseum about this before i think the success of this new universe 
kind of needs to sever all connections to the old universe that it just needs to be it just needs to start over um i know we disagree on like viola davis because i mean i love viola davis and i think she's not really ever been given the chance to be the amanda waller that we all know she can be but any sort of connection to those to those former films i think i think needs to be cut and i think and you actually said this before uh trying to keep one member of the main trinity it just doesn't really it just doesn't really wash but i mean and correct me if i'm wrong about this but when gunn made all of his announcements like isn't viola davis attached to waller i believe she is yeah so they so she is getting kept as of right now um yeah i'm just looking through uh the other thing that i kind of wonder um about the dc this new dc universe is they've made a big deal i mean and this is this is i think the bigger issue like whether gal i don't think they're here's the thing i think that even if they kept gal gadot as wonder woman i don't think it's a wonder woman 3 right like that whole story after wonder woman 84 i just don't know that I don't know that even the most hardcore Wonder Woman fan is that invested in what happens in that universe post Wonder Woman 84. But even if they keep her, it's like they've made such a big deal out of we know here's here's I guess what bothers me about it. We know Superman Legacy. We know that Superman Legacy is going to be about Superman inspiring heroes. We know some of the other characters that are in it. We know what's going on. We know that Brave and the Bold is about Batman dealing with Damian Wayne. We don't quite know where the rest of the Bat family is, but we know that. And when it comes to DC, that trinity of Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman is like the key. Like that's the trinity of the DC universe. And we don't know anything about Wonder Woman. Like Aquaman, okay, we'll fill in the gaps. Flash, let us know. We know that Guy Gardner's in the universe. We know that all the other lanterns are going to show up. So we know that the Green Lanterns as a presence are going to be there. Uh, we know we have the Paradise Lost series, but that's more of like a prequel series about the Amazons. And then aside from that, when it comes to like the females of the DC universe, we know we're getting the Supergirl movie at some one point based on the Tom King run. And we've got a Waller series, but there's not a lot of female superheroes. So I think that more than whether or not Gal is continuing as Wonder Woman or it's going to be a Wonder Woman 3 or she's still going to be Wonder Woman, but in a brand new Wonder Woman universe, the absence of Wonder Woman information in Gunn and Saffron's DC universe is a little bit concerning to me. <sighs> yeah. Like, I do wonder, like, I, I do wonder how far back Paradise Lost is going to go. Like, is this all right. uh, like, is your mom Hippolyta? That's her mom, right? Like, is is yeah. Hippolyta is is Hippolyta in this? Like, I've not read the the book that that one's based on. Um, but well, yeah, I'm yeah, I'm not quite. We'll go ahead. No, I mean, I'm just not. I'm just not sure. I mean, based off of the things that Gunn announced, I mean, it was a very. It's a very eclectic selection uh, when you factor in creature commandos. Um, I, I think a Waller series. I don't think anyone had that on their bingo card. Um, so it, it's it's just going to be super interesting. One, whether or not all of this stuff does come to fruition, despite the fact that 
DC has a uh, has a uh, kind of a bumpy track record with announcing things and not them not happening. Now, I think the understanding when Gunn and Saffron took it, uh, came in was we are going to announce this stuff. This is what is happening until it's not. You know what I mean? So. Right. Right, exactly. And I think, you know, because, like, yeah, and like I think some people said in the chat, like, they said that the Paradise Lost series was a prequel series to the Wonder Woman movies. But if it's which a whole Wonder new Woman DC universe, <laughs> yeah, which, yeah, like, so, I, you know, there's still, as, as, we've, as we've covered um, ad nauseum, it's very confusing. So at this point, I think covering that it's confusing is just, we've said it a thousand times, it's confusing. But now I'm starting to wonder about the specifics. Like, I am really curious about the sh- shape of this universe i was saying to someone earlier today uh and this is i think a plus for gun i mean in the history of comic books we've seen this time and again uh you know dc came out and had a bunch of superheroes marvel came along and had superheroes on the street that were more relatable and everybody loved marvel more then dc came with crisis on infinite earths and kind of one-up marvel and everyone said that's awesome and every time a jack kirby or a brian michael bendis or a jim lee or whoever jumps from one label to another like marvel is on the rise dc's kind of in the dumps dc's on the rise marvel's in the dumps and i think now for the first time ever we might be on the cusp of seeing that happening in real time with cinematic universes um marvel's on the decline at least at the moment um and and really i think needs to do a lot of work to win back its audience and even though uh as we were just talking about you know shazam 2 and the flash were not it um maybe blue beetle is just a solid single uh and superman legacy might come out and we might all be in a completely different place uh we might all be like oh man dc is great Remember when Marvel used to be good? Uh, so it's it's going to be really interesting to see how this all goes. Like, I think there's a lot of questions, and every time we have these stories coming out about Gal said this, Gun said this, so and so tweeted this, Momoa's in, Momoa's out, Momoa's Lobo. Like, you know, we're all over the place with what we think is going to happen. But I think for the first time, which I think is good, there's genuine excitement about the possibility of DC not being the also ran. So. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Would you would you keep Gal if you were if you were James Gunn? I would not. I would not. And I think she I think she was a great Wonder Woman. I think that first Wonder Woman movie is awesome. I think that second Wonder Woman movie is awful. It gave me COVID. Um, but <laughs> uh, I mean, or I got COVID as I was watching it. It could go either way. But um, I think she's great, and I think it. She's it's that's one of the things that sucks here is that you you gotta. You got to lose some of the stuff to have a clean break, like you said. Um, now, I'm kind of talking out of both sides because at the same token, I wouldn't be mad if Viola Davis was still Waller. So there's just certain things that I'm like, okay, well, I could go with this, but go with that. But I think particularly it really gets down to if you're recasting Superman and Batman, I think you got to keep you got to recast Wonder Woman. Yeah, I agree with that. Now, before we move on to our next topic, we have a couple couple more uh, stream labs that came in. I don't know how John does this. This is a lot of stuff to to, to keep up with. So this one is from Chris Corcoran. And it says, oh, this is an interesting question. Do you think Chapik was the reason for the recent MCU stuff? Secret Invasion was made under him. And I wonder if he mandated short run times, few episodes, etc. Feige deserves blame, but maybe Chapik made it worse. So 
I know a lot of blame kind of gets thrown at Chapik about Disney Plus, uh, some of the stuff. Um, Chapik got hired in February of 2020. All of those Disney Plus series were announced at Comic-Con 2019. So that stuff, it was developed under Iger. So Chapik, because I want to say at Comic-Con, they announced uh, WandaVision, Falcon Winter Soldier, Hawkeye, and uh, Loki. And then at D23, the Disney convention, that's, I believe, when they announced Miss Marvel, Moon Knight, yeah. And Secret Invasion. She-Hulk. So a lot of stuff does get thrown at Chapik, but just in terms of timeline, that doesn't seem to line up. And in terms of the shorter run times, um, those were happening before because Falcon and Winter Soldier had a couple of shorter ones. Now, granted, Falcon and Winter Soldier was the most affected by the COVID, by the COVID shutdown. Like it had uh, locations scrapped. It had potential storylines completely taken out. Um, I, I would say the secret invasion was filmed under Chapik, but, and Mike, you would be able to speak to this better than I would. Uh, how involved is, is, is someone like a Chapik, like an Iger in sort of the day-to-day running of a studio like Marvel? I mean, I don't think involved in the day-to-day running is the right way to look at it. I don't think Chapek was coming in and like, you know, demanding, things be this length or this whatever. I think where where someone like a Chapek or an Iger or anybody gets involved is that uh, ultimately the buck stops with them on like your budget and your schedule. Like, hey, we need this to come out at this time and here's how much money you have. Uh, and again, at that level, they're not even the ones that are necessarily making those decisions, but they're the ones that are saying, hey, we need to keep Disney plus the ship needs to be tight and we need to have new content and let's roll content out. Like they're the ones making those kind of uh, broad kind of edicts that then get translated down to here's the budget for your show make it look as good as we can make it look and also here's how much time you have look i think marvel the marvel tv stuff um really kind of gets into i think it's two things um it's doing too much at the same time And I think it's not really having a full understanding of how to make the transition from movies to TV. Um, I think that the biggest issue that Marvel has with their TV series, and I think this is some of what affects, I think some of the length I've always thought is budget, but I think you look at other TV shows that are killing it, like Game of Thrones or um, some of the other shows that have these massive budgets and everything is an hour long. And you're like, okay, why can't Marvel do that? Um, but I think some of it is just like, you don't have enough visual effects artists. You're working the visual effects artists too hard, which is why they are currently trying to unionize so that they actually can get paid and get, uh, working conditions that are more fair to them because they're just getting completely destroyed with all the stuff they have to do. Um, and I think Marvel just, they've aside from, and we've talked about this before, but aside from a from certain shows like WandaVision, that were just kind of designed with TV in mind, you can sort of see with Secret Invasion, with Falcon and Winter Soldier, with Moon Knight, where they're they're kind of like trying to do like, well, this is the movie. This is the three-act story of the movie, but let's split it up into six episodes. Like the first episode or two is act one. The second two and a half episodes or so is act two. And then the last two episodes is our big third act finale. And 
the timing is wonky. The pacing is wonky. So like they'll reach a point where you're like, oh, well, I guess this is all we can tell in this episode because we got to save this for the finale. Like that, that seems to be the kind of thing that happens there. Um, and it doesn't really work. So I think, you know, combining like not really understanding how to like uh, lay out and pace a TV series differently from a movie and then overworked visual effects artists, you kind of end up with what you got. Well, also to the TV argument, like you referenced Game of Thrones, which granted, um, I, I think Game of Thrones may have been more expensive, but also HBO has been doing TV for decades now. So they yeah. have an innate understanding of it. And there was an article um, a while back basically saying that, you know, in television, you have you have something called a showrunner. This is your executive producer. Sometimes it's your mm -hmm. creator. Um, this is this is what Vogel does on Strawberry Shortcake. He is the showrunner. Uh, it it yeah, bravo. Um, in Marvel TV, they don't have that. They have a no. head writer because essentially, at least what this unnamed creative had said is like the showrunner is Kevin Feige. Um, but 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 your head writer is essentially what what it would have been and it seems like maybe in you know obviously we don't know anything about Feige's managerial style I mean we just know that in general he's 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 pretty well regarded and he plays things close to the vest um but I don't know if this is a control thing but it's like when you're when you're branching out into a different medium maybe hiring folks that are really good at tv and listening to them it would have been the would have been the course of action maybe the and maybe they did do that i mean maybe the the title of head writer um maybe i'm being a little uh dismissive of it and that maybe they are they are listening to to malcolm spellman or jack schaefer or whomever um but it seems like because their run times are kind of so all over the place, like originally when they were announced, what we understood is there's going to be half hour shows. There's going to be hour shows. And that's not really the case. Like you have WandaVision that was mostly half hour. You had She-Hulk that was mostly half hour. And then you had uh, our, our longer shows are our, our basically our one hour dramas that none of them have ever hit that that they, hour mark. They range from about at the lowest end, I think we've had a couple 20 something minute episodes all the way up to like 40 something minute episodes. Yeah. But I think well, like once you, once you take out the 18 minutes of credits, like that's about right. where they sit. <laughs> but maybe that would have been, maybe that would have been a thing that um, they should have done. This actually leads into our next uh, stream lab here. So uh, Chris, thank you very much for that. And this next one is from, uh, Eric's and it says, I'm glad I caught a live stream. Eric's, we're glad you caught it too. This isn't normally how it goes. Um, questions. How would you fix Marvel phase five moving forward? And what would your DC phase one slate of films look like? Uh, love, love the geek buddies. Uh, Mikey, do you want to take, take it away? Nope. Okay. Well, in terms of, <laughs> in terms of phase five, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if there's a fixing phase five right now because even though we were only one movie into it, two, we're two movies into it. Um, what we're going to see, like th those trains have kind of left the station at this point. So, I mean, to make any serious creative changes to the phase potentially is going to do more harm than good. Um, 
I think looking forward to actually what Bob Iger said, uh, they're they're focusing more on quality and not quantity. Now, I think that's going to affect your phase six. Like when when the next two Avengers movies were announced in 2022, I want to say one was in 2025, 2026. Um, it, it was one 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 summer and one the next summer, I think. Those have both been pushed at least a year. I want to say Kang Dynasty is supposed to come out in 26 now and Secret Wars is supposed to come out in 27. I think that's maybe what you're going to see is looking over at all the things because for the most part, Phase 6 hasn't really been announced. It was the two Avengers movies and Fantastic Four. Um, Because they haven't announced a bunch of things, they don't have to potentially cancel a bunch of things. Um, But I think it's, I think they're going to finish this phase as planned. Um, and then kind of look at phase six and be like, okay, are, are we still on the road to, to this big event? Um, that's kind of, that's kind of my thought. Um, and again, Vogel is going to be, is going to have a much better answer at this because these are the meetings that he used to be in. Um, in terms of uh, DC phase one, I, even though I don't understand the gun plan, I think not doing what the MCU did is, is important. Um, because it just looks like you're kind of copying Marvel, like having a superhero film launching with, with your biggest superhero in a world that is already filled with superheroes. That is vastly different than when we watched Iron Man in 2008. So even though I don't know if it's going to work, um, I think the idea is certainly, is certainly exciting. Um, in terms of what they are talking about, Siri, go away. Why are you here? Get get out get get out of here. No, you. Wow, is that? Get out of here. You all can't hear it, but Siri's telling me how how helpful she is. Go away. So, um, you're uh, spiraling. Inter- you're spiraling today, buddy. I got a lot of balls in the air. <laughs> Um, i'm 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 spinning plates right now um in terms of like a a character that i would like to see um you know we've talked many times that i would love to see a question uh uh procedural i i think the question solving mysteries every week uh uncovering conspiracies I, i think that that is a lot of fun how that would actually bleed into the rest of the universe, I have no idea. One project that did get me excited, and again, you know, again, we always hear ideas and we kind of come up with our own, um, is Lanterns, knowing that it's supposed to be Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart um, potentially solving some sort of intergalactic mystery on Earth. I'm like, okay, that sounds like, for me, that sounds like the beginning of your big event that is going to lead to your, the climax of this first phase or, or first chapter of gods and monsters. The fact that they are coming to earth to look for something that is eventually going to spin out of control. I I think that is a very exciting idea. That's all I got. Um, I think, you know, I, I I'll start with DC. Cause I think my answer is similar to Shannon's, which is, uh, no, I don't know that I would do anything super different than what James Gunn is doing right now. I think what Shannon said, which is a hundred percent true, is the fact that he's doing things a little bit differently than Marvel is good. If we, if Superman was our Robert Downey Jr. and he was the first superhero and we spun out from there and had to watch the whole universe start over, I think a it would feel like a copy, and b we'd get bored because with a lot of these heroes, we've seen their origin stories. So I think diving in is smart. Um, 
I'm excited about Superman Legacy from everything James Gunn has said. It sounds like it's my kind of Superman. Uh, I'm excited about Brave and the Bold because I think Damian Wayne is one of the greatest things that's happened in DC Comics in the past decade uh, or more at this point. Um, like I said, I'm a, I'd am I'd probably come in stronger with a take on Wonder Woman, although I do think that that may have more to do with the fact that they are, I think they are just caught in this very specific place where they cannot say that they're done with Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and Flash until those movies come out and are gone. Like, I think that they, the second that they sort of put their foot down and say, we're starting from scratch and none of these people matter, none of us go see Aquaman 2. So, and and all, and I, and that was their thinking on the Flash probably, and most people didn't go anyway. But I think that maybe once Aquaman 2 is gone, we're going to get a firmer answer on those things. So we'll see. But in general, I'm excited. I'm really excited about the authority. Um, I'm excited that the animated stuff is going to feed right into the live action stuff. So, you know, I think there's a lot of stuff that he's doing really good. And like I said earlier, I'm actually for the first time in a very long time, genuinely excited about the DC cinematic universe. When it comes to phase five and beyond of Marvel, I think the thing they need to do is get us to care again. Like we can talk about the specifics all we want, but I think right now nobody cares for the most part. I mean, except for the most tried and true, hardcore, ride or die into the dust Marvel fan. We're all kind of like, yeah, multiverse could be cool, but like it's kind of all over the place. And it just led to a bunch of dumb cameos in, in, in uh, multiverse of madness. And Thor is just running around being goofy. And I don't know. Like, it's just like, there's just, everything is so all over the place. And I think the way that you make people care is you come back to some core questions about the universe. Like, when we think of these big cinematic universes, there are certain things that connect them that automatically, if a character was more uh, vocal about it, would be interesting. Like, Captain America is gone. Iron Man died. Like, a bunch of characters who saved the entire universe are off the map. And the way that they've established it in uh, in Far From Home and other things is that well, the whole world kind of knows. Like, you know, there's paintings and murals of Tony Stark all over the planet. Like, let's feed into that a little bit more. Let's have people asking, like, hey, guys, New York was attacked by aliens. We all disappeared for five years. Like, shit's pretty bad. Who's taking care of this? Like, none of us know who the Avengers are at this point. So I would assume that nobody in the Marvel Universe knows either. And I would assume that people would be worried about that. And so I think when you have a Shang-Chi show up or you have a She-Hulk, like even though you sort of want to play in your specific universe that She-Hulk should be a legal comedy and Shang-Chi is going to go deal with the Ten Rings and his family. Like there's these bigger questions about, hey, I have superpowers. Like should I go call Spider-Man or what should I do? Also, after Eternals, there's a big fucking statue of an alien floating in the ocean that nobody has mentioned ever since Eternals. And I think what made the first three phases of Marvel work so well is that if something like that happened in a movie, you could be sure that they were going to continue to talk about it. And we're so stretched thin in the multiverse and the TVA and the quantum realm and everything else that just nobody seems connected anymore. And that's where Marvel's strength was. Like from Avengers on, even though we understood that in a Tony in an Iron Man movie, not everybody was always going to show up, or in this per, or in an, an Ant Man movie, you were just going to get a cameo from Falcon, and that was it. They still commented on it and remarked on it. Like when Scott Lang shows up in Civil War, Falcon is like, "Yeah, okay, uh, let's not bring up that thing that happened." And like you just felt like there was these connections. And I think 
between the blip and all this stuff. That's where I think Secret Invasion really fell short is that there, even though we, and we've said this in all of our Secret Invasion reviews, even knowing that we weren't going to be able, that Disney wasn't going to bring in every single superhero in the Marvel Universe and make half of them scrolls, they sort of overshot and made it feel so small and sort of actively avoided mentioning or talking superheroes or anything that it just kind of didn't feel connected. So I think all of us watching this kind of feel like nothing is appointment television. Nothing is getting us so excited that we're all jumping on Twitter to talk about the Marvel universe. And what does that mean? Um, beyond that, I think like, I think right now, and I think some people are saying in the chat, fantastic four is what they got to get right. And I think they know it like, Fantastic Four, if it's good, it'll be the first good Fantastic Four movie we've ever gotten. Fantastic <laughs> Four in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like those four characters are four of the most important. I mean, Reed Richards alone is one of the most key characters in most Marvel epic crossover stories in since I've been reading comics. I mean, he's the smartest dude in the universe. He's smarter than, he's smarter than uh, Bruce Banner, Tony Stark, and Peter Parker combined. So... You know, getting them right and letting them sort of reconnect that universe, I think that's the key to making it work. Are they going to do that right now? I don't know. Well, thank you very much, Eric's. Uh, Mello Wheelo also sent us a super sticker. I don't, it's not letting me bring that up, but Mello Wheelo, thank you very much. I'm going to do one more uh, super or uh, stream lab here because it's going to lead into our next topic. And this one is from right. Empire Fan 1980. If you would have told me years ago that they would make a Barbie movie and it made a billion dollars and still growing, I think he was crazy. <laughs> Empire Fan, we agree. And uh, so we're going to take a little break because that's what we're going to chat about when we get back is, oh God, here it comes, is a little bit of Barbie. <laughs> you're doing good buddy hang in there i don't know who's more There's... honestly i think i think i don't know who's more stressed out right now you doing roca's job or roca pouring diet coke into his prius on the side of the freeway like i don't know which one of you guys is actually having a worse time of it right now, but I'm I'm sitting pretty. I'm having a great time this Friday afternoon. I don't have to do any so, of that. I don't have to push any so of those much, buttons. So much sweat. So much sweat. <laughs> um. All right. Let's talk about Barbie. Uh, the movie not only has it made a billion dollars, which is just impressive enough on its own, but uh. In Warner Brothers' 100-year history, no movie has sold so many tickets so fast. As of Sunday, Barbie has been playing in theaters for 17 days, and the previous record holder was Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, which made a billion in 19 days. Um, so, holy shit. I mean... I was saying to Shannon last night, uh, we both went to go see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles again, uh, took a friend of ours to see it. And I was saying, you know, if you had told me like that the best movies of the year thus far were going to be Spider-Man, Barbie and Ninja Turtles, uh, I would have been like, I don't know. But that's kind of where I'm sitting right now. Um, it's wild. It is a phenomenon. It is crazy. It is. I mean, I think from the first trailer, we all had this discussion of like, I think we kind of kept saying, you know, I'm. 
didn't think Barbie would be the movie that I, one of the movies that I'd be so excited about this summer. And clearly we weren't the only ones, um, but it's, it's really, really impressive. Shannon, why you've seen Barbie? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Just making sure why, what is it about Barbie? What do you think? Why is it, why is it, why is it doing what it's doing when half the other movies that have come out this summer have barely been able to get people into the theaters? You know, I, I, I don't really have a, a good answer for that. I mean, I know what intrigued me about it was so growing up again in the eighties, Barbies were the dolls my sisters played with. And then when they, when toy companies started doing like direct to uh, direct to video movies, there were many like Barbie movies, Barbie's big day out, you know, Bar you know, Barbie's new car, you know, stuff like that. Um, the idea of a Barbie movie that was appealing to younger people um, because of just the brightness of the world, um, even if the kids don't understand all the jokes, they get when something is funny. They don't understand why it's funny, but I think you have you have just this incredible cast with Margot Robbie, with Ryan Gosling, with Issa Rae, with Simu Liu, I think it's just populated with people you want to see. And those trailers be again, they were just the comedy is what got me into it. Um, even the moment, like when we started to see uh, photos from, I think it was, I think they shot in Venice, but when they're at rollerblading, like the photos yeah. that people were taking and they were making it to the internet of Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling in these very, you know, brightly colored outfits. It was like, what is this movie going to be? And a buddy of mine was actually in the movie. And so I had asked him, like, what is it? And he's like, it's not what people are going to think, that it does have this uh, kind of underlying underlying message that is really resonating with uh, grownups. Um it's just one of those things. It just caught fire at exactly the right time. Um, and the same thing with, with Oppenheimer, like them opening together this, this weird double, double feature of uh, a movie about a doll that's been around for, you know, uh, over 50 years and the father of the atomic bomb. Like, I think it's just one of those events that you can't really, uh, that you can't really predict. And along with the comedy, it's just got a big old heart. And it's the type of movie that people want to bring others to. Oh, all right. Yeah, you know, I think... So, oh, there he is! There he <laughs> is! Guys, John Roca has returned oh. to the Geek Buddies. How's it going? Finish the point, Mikey. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so, we were just talking about Barbie breaking oh, a billion. trying to, And film. why we think... It, and why we think, uh, what, why, why is Barbie doing what nobody what no other movie's been able to do this summer? What's going on? Yeah. What's happening? Why is it working? It's a great question because, um, you look at the situation here, Margot Robbie's track. By the record. way, time out. I just want everyone yeah. to really appreciate how John Roca jumped in here and just dove right in. The man is a pro. He is chewing his food and he's already <laughs> got his response ready. I'm sorry. Please continue real, real quick. I skipped breakfast because we were going to Wood Ranch at noon for our five-year anniversary after we got her some shoes at Roadrunner Sports, but we have been on the side of the road for four hours, so I'm shoving down some deli slices but just to be able to exist and stop having a headache. Um, 
No, it's a fascinating uh, situation. I see all these articles. Why did Barbie do this? Why did Barbie do that? Truth is, we all know we've been around the business for a few decades now and not necessarily working in it, but certainly knowing about it. And these are anomalies. These things pop up. A certain combination of factors come together and somehow it works. And when you look at Barbie, somehow it worked. And so I don't think you can actually do some kind of what's the, you know, what's the, what's the formula NACL combining from the periodic table? No, it was a, a perfect mixture of events that people kind of just had a thing about it because people were like a Barbie movie, they're making fun of it. Then the first trailers came out and like, okay, what's this all about? Then Margot Robbie, uh, you know, taking the role of it. Greta Gerwig, a well-renowned uh, uh, up-and-coming filmmaker. And then you add Oppenheimer. I can't discount the Oppenheimer part of it because so many people want to be like, well, Oppenheimer made a lot of money because of Barbie. Sure, but it goes both ways because the pop culture zeitgeist was looking for something to grab onto. And Barbenheimer showed up and became something that everybody could dial into. And, you know, I think, guys, at the, at the end of the day, there's so much tribalism and division going on in our world. We do secretly want to connect with each other. And something that brings us all together and we can put that shit down and dive in and have fun, um, you know, diving into the idea of a Barbenheimer situation. There were T-shirts. I mean, it just felt like the perfect mixture of events. Two films so diametrically opposite from each other, somehow debuting on the same weekend. And everybody was ready in the middle of summer for something different that wasn't superhero and ready to kind of give their money to it. But I also think, Mike, one more thing. I think it speaks to a lot of women. I, th- I mean, my, uh, the Lady Outlaw did not want to see Barbie. Thought it was going to be stupid about a doll, you know, a, 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 a lightweight film. And she loved it within five to ten minutes and was engrossed all the way through. And so there's just something about the way it was handled that I think it just attracted people because it kind of worked in a real primal subconscious level that I don't think you can quantify it or somehow figure out. You know, I, I think more it's about appreciating the fact that it even happened at all. Well, let me ask you a question because we've covered this a lot. Like we talked about, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to toss you another one, but uh, we've talked a lot, you know, whether it be little mermaids box office in the Heights Hmm. box office, like, like there's been so many movies that come out when they don't connect. It's kind of like, well, you can't discount, you know, the whole go woke, go broke crowd. Like, you know, you know, Oh, she Hulk, she Hulk didn't do well because they put a woman in the hole. Like, like it is just a constant. Oh, well, the more that Lucasfilm or Marvel or Disney or Warner brothers puts women forward, puts minorities forward, puts LGBTQ ideas forward that there's the audience isn't going to go see it. And then a movie about like Barbie comes along that is straight up. Like let's make fun of the patriarchy sends Bill Maher into a tizzy on Twitter. um, And it makes a billion dollars. Yeah. So the quest, so like, you know, it's like, it's like, I don't know that it slices both ways. Like a movie like this comes out that is so unabashedly what it is like straight up is like, we're going to, we're going to invert the stereotypical roles of males and females with Barbie and Ken. We are going to address issues of feminism. We are going to give America Ferreira, like the monologue of a lifetime that girls are going to be doing in theater auditions for the next 10 years. And it makes a billion dollars. So how is this one doing that when other movies that we, that come out that don't perform are like, Oh, I think it was because the go woke, go broke crowd didn't go for it. Well, yeah. it's like Aisha Kenya just said, life yeah. is so darn stressful right now. We just want to dress in pink, drink a margarita, and have a great time. Amen. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's a version amen. of what I said. That's a version of what I said, which is like, we're so divided because of stress. That's what makes our life stressful. Having a place we can come together. 
And I want to address um, Cheryl's comment, because Cheryl, I wasn't trying to say that Barbie owes it to Oppenheimer, but I'm just trying to say that both those films coming together at the same time elevated each other. It doesn't mean that Oppenheimer's, you know, a, a woman's film is dependent on a man. I'm, I was not trying to say that. I'm just trying to say that these things are just so unquantifiable and an X factor. But I also think it, the women's side of things is amazing. Like the fact that so many women came and see, but listen, dudes are going to see Barbie. It doesn't make a billion dollars just on women money. It's making a billion dollars off both men, women, men and women, or however you identify going to see the film multiple times, you know? And I think that's a good thing. I don't, I don't know the answer though, Michael, you want me to give you an answer? I don't, I don't have a. I, don't, I need I'm an not, answer. I I'm, need. I'm I've been waiting. You've been at your Prius. What? No, I, I mean, I think you're, I, like, you. Like, look, if if there was, listen. I mean, we're not. We're not going to answer it. If there was actually yeah. an answer, all of Hollywood right. would go run. I do think you're right. Like, and I, I under, and I understood what you're saying. I don't think. Look, I think that Oppenheimer owes its success to Barbie. Barbie owes its success to Oppenheimer. It was a crazy 100. thing that happened. And for all summer long, we have been seeing like fan art of Barbie Heimer t-shirts of Barbie. Like, like the right. idea of the people, the fact that I run into people be like, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, well, I'm finally going to have my Barbie Heimer Saturday. Like people mm -hmm. are doing that as a thing. So I do think that is absolutely a part of it. Um, but yeah, like Barbie, I, I find it fascinating. I find, you know, I mean, I think we talked about this. Look, I'm yeah. really happy that Elemental is uh, yes. kind of chugging along throughout the summer and actually yeah. becoming not Pixar's big bomb. Like, it's doing just fine at this point. Um, yeah, yeah. But, I, and we talked about this, I think, when we, when we spoke about Elemental when it came out. Like, I think that Pixar had the opportunity to, like, tell, like, a bigger, braver story about the immigrant experience and kind of pulled their... <laughs> punches a little bit and made something cuter and kind of didn't promote it as that. And like, I think there was something that was really brave. And I think one of the reasons that Barbie is doing well is that yeah. it's unabashedly what it is. Like it, it, it mm -hmm. had a very specific thing that it wanted to say and it went for it all the yeah. way. Um, in the same way that I think, you know, the reason that people were so taken with the Spider-Verse movies is because they really went for it visually and like tried to do something that you haven't seen before. And even Ninja Turtles, the visual style that they have in that movie is so different. I think that we're just craving something different at this point. And so when we see something that's really different and as Shannon said, a movie about the world's most popular doll and a movie about the father of the atomic bomb coming out at the same time and kind of being yeah. this is something different that we could all get excited about. So I think, yeah, we just want something new. And I think a lot of what Hollywood has been feeding us lately, even in the superhero genre, just doesn't feel new. Yeah. And they both have to be good, right? I mean, I think that's the number one thing. They both have to be good. And no, it doesn't mean, because there are plenty of good films that don't make money. Plenty that we've seen through the years. But there is just something about these coming, these two films coming together, the time that it came together. And, and Michael, you make an excellent point. I'm not sure if Shannon, you said this as well earlier, but like superhero, we're not saying superhero fatigue is here, but certainly fatigue for middling to not good superhero attempts or superhero movies is certainly here. And certainly there's money that people want to spend on things that will entertain them, make them think, and really kind of... Um, blow them away at its originality and the art artistry involved with both of those movies, you know. So I think that's a huge part of it as well. You know? Do 
Have you guys read the stream? Wait, am I taking over now? What's what's going on, my Shan? Do you want to keep going? I, I'm fine to sit back. We got a bunch uh, of streamlabs. Somebody got. Yeah, them. I can go. I can go. I can go through the streamlabs. Okay, go ahead. Cue the sweat again. All right, so we got a few from uh, Francisco Lopez in a row here, and so I'm gonna bring them up one at a time. But okay. don't answer until we get to the last one here okay so so, so if you're no. bringing them up from the chat so those are super chats we have a we do have a bunch of regular stream labs which you don't have access to shannon so i'll read them after you're done with the super chats and you guys can respond to those as well there's like there's been like seven or eight of them so let's go i'm gonna sit here and chill the fuck out <laughs> <laughs> so francisco lopez says yeah after watching the Loki season two trailer, I was thinking about the purpose of the Loki series. Do you think Loki could play the Doctor Doom role in the Secret Wars in uh, Secret Wars as someone to stop Kang or maybe Beyonder? And part two coming up and from taking over the world. I think it makes sense uh, because we don't know anything about the MCU Doctor Doom. Also, it will give the Loki series a purpose and who will know more about the threat of Kang than Loki? good point yeah. what do you think whoa john you're I'm, yellow i'm good i'm good go ahead mike, mike go ahead uh, i i don't think that's I, I think dr doom is going to play the role of dr doom in secret wars like i I've, I've said this to shannon a while ago like i think that the kang dynasty is the kang dynasty but i still think that we have an outside shot of dr doom being the big villain of secret wars i think that uh the best way to make Doctor Doom the biggest badass in the Marvel Universe is to set Kang up to be the biggest badass in the Marvel Universe and then have Doctor Doom wipe the floor with him. So mm. I think that we they probably had some pretty big plans for Doctor Doom. I think the Loki series, look, Loki is absolutely going to play a major role in Secret Wars, I think. And he is the one that, like, like out of everybody at that point will understand the multiverse better than anyone. Even Dr. Strange showing up with Charlie's throne and being like, let me tell you about incursions and what's happening and everything else. Loki shows up and is like, that's cute. Let me explain to you what's really happening. So I think Loki won't play the Dr. Doom role, but I think Loki will play a role that didn't really exist in the secret wars comics. I think that Loki comes oh. in and is like, you know, is, is part of like that core team that is yeah. going to end up saving the entire multi. So I think the purpose of Loki is to set him up the journey of going from being, you know, a, the biggest, the big, the Mar the big Marvel villain in the Avengers movie to sort of becoming the villain that we loved to hate throughout the rest of the Marvel phases two and three to then kind of going on this journey in phases uh, four and five to ultimately being one of the biggest heroes of the multiverse in uh, phase six. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Loki will be involved at, at some point. I don't think he's going to play that Doctor Doom role. I think um, I think the character is just too associated with that run to have them be subbed out. Um, now, this is a theory, and if you haven't read Secret Wars, these th this is not going to mean anything to you, so it's not a spoiler. Um, but this and this was not my th this was not my uh, thought. This was Mr. Vogel's. Mm. Um, but uh, there was some. He had the idea that. He wonders if Kang is going to sub in for Molecule Man. Now, oh. if you have read the Secret Wars comic, yeah. you know why that is uh, pertinent. Um, so I think that is a super cool idea. And it kind of uh, aligns with what the MCU has done in the past. Mm. Um, using everything that's on the table, whereas... 
but but I do think Doctor Doom is going to be Doctor Doom. Yeah, and, and look, we saw Civil War be completely changed from what right. it was. I mean, with some core elements retained, the Infinity Gauntlet story mostly changed with some elements retained. So I think if you're trying to fit certain characters into certain roles based on what you've read from the comics, I don't I don't know that that necessarily is going to make any sense because we don't know what this script is going to look like, right? And we don't know, uh, Mike and Shannon, after the debacle that's going on right now with Jonathan Majors and all that stuff that's up in the air, the accusations against Dennis Huerta, and then um, the um, negative responses that have happened for Love and Thunder, Quantumania, Secret Invasion, although it seems like Loki season two is, it looks like it's going to be excellent. Um, they might be making all kinds of changes here. And don't discount the outside stuff going on with Iger's comments about wanting to pare down Disney. A lot of rumors that Apple might really legitimately buy Disney, not in its current format, but in the format down the road after it kind of sheds a lot of its other stuff. And Iger said, we're only focusing on IP. And so that's going to change what they're going to do. And slowing everything down will be interesting too. So I think there's a lot of pieces in the air. And we may want to fit in these characters into these roles, but uh, we may be fitting in fitting them into the, a script that doesn't even exist. And I think that's what we may be waiting around for. But I do think you're, the genesis of your question I think Loki is going to play a very important part of Secret Wars because Loki has kind of been their Teflon character, ironically, through this whole process. And yeah. so he may be someone who they rely on as kind of the Robert Downey Jr. type of thing in a different way, where he's the, the, the standard thing that they uh, turn back to to give some continuity in the whole situation. Wow. I just change right, the name well, to Avengers. Avengers, the Scarlet Witch Dynasty, and then we'll all be excited. <laughs> <laughs> so we have another from Francisco Lopez here that is uh, that is not MCU related. And okay. real quick, also, what are your thoughts on the new Ninja Turtles movie? Johnny, take it away. Oh, you guys haven't seen? Uh, I loved it. Uh, great, phenomenal, fantastic, best Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie ever on screen. I know y'all '90s kids love your nostalgia. But this film was fantastic. The animation was great. The acting was fan- was great. The uh, the story I enjoyed, although you know it's a, it got a little simple in certain moments. But I liked the emotion of the piece. Four kids wanting to fit in, who who don't want to take on the trauma of their mentor with the humans. And I love that a breaking of the cycle of trauma, and it makes the hu- it makes that character reassess his point of view. But then you have the trauma in a negative way with what's going on with Superfly. But then we see what happens with Superfly and his family. So I don't want to ruin anything if people haven't seen it. So to me, I think there's really positive messages coming out of this movie uh, and a really good story being told um, with, a dark, with a little bit of darkness along with the good feelings about yeah. it. Yeah, I think I, I think it's great. I think I was saying last night to a to a friend of ours after we saw it again, after Shannon and I mm-hmm. saw it again with him. Um, oh, nice. That I think one of the things that they did that was really smart and was really great is that look, we all if you've grow if you grew up 
in the 90s with Ninja Turtles, like, you know who Leonardo is, you know who Raphael is, you know who Michelangelo is, you know who Donatello is. And what they did that was so yep. great with this movie is they gave us versions of those characters that still hit all the right beats of who they were supposed to be, but in a very different, very modern, very today setting. So, like, Donatello mm-hmm. has always been the nerd. He's always been, like, the inventor, genius, smart turtle. Um, and now Donatello is the one who loves uh, K-pop and anime. You know what I mean? So it's like, that still feels Donatello. Like Michelangelo is a party dude. Michelangelo, really good at improv. Raphael, (laughs) rage issues, rage issues. Leonardo wants to be a leader. Leonardo wants to be a leader. So like they gave us, they gave us versions of the characters that if you grew up with the turtles and you watched the 95,000 different versions of turtles that we've all watched our entire lives. Yeah. um, Yeah. It feels like them, but at the same time feels completely new and fresh and very of today. Uh, yeah. and that's to make, to take a brand that we've all been in love with since the late eighties yeah, and make it feel completely modern that they made it look easy and it's not easy to do. Yeah. yeah I, I super, super enjoyed Ninja Turtles. Um, you know, teen, they are teens for 2023. And, and I think that is what worked so well about this version i mean as as to what you know john and mike already said the fact that donatello likes attack on titan i was like oh that's that's very very funny um and you know just the i mean obviously whenever seth rogan is producing something and writing something you're going to get all of the seth rogan regulars and you know seth rogan is buddies with a lot of talented funny people yeah um Paul Rudd is Mondo Gecko. So, so funny. Even though she didn't have a ton of lines, my personal favorite was Rose, Rose Byrne as Leatherhead. <laughs> the that moment was her? That, we, that was Rose <laughs> Byrne. Yeah. Great. I, I, I have oh. such a, a talent crush on Rose Byrne. I think she is yeah. so hysterical. Mike, um, Mike, so- Mike, Mike. Talent crush. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Settle down. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I just thought, I just thought it was so well performed. And again, I think to the writing, like, I feel like this is, this is the most heart that one of the team, that one of the Ninja Turtles movies have ever had. Mm. Um, And and I would agree with John that I think this is probably the best Turtles movie that we've ever gotten. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We've got we've got a few more. We've got a few more stream labs here. So this one is from uh, Empire Fan 1980 again. Interesting question. Is there any movie the uh, in the upcoming MCU you think won't get made? For example, I think Blade isn't going to happen. Mikey, why don't you go first? Good question. I mean, Blade is the one that is the contender where we're all like, is it ever going to happen? It seems like. Again, John, I think John makes a really great point when we talk about Secret Mm -hmm. Wars, which is we can talk about the Secret Wars comic all we want to, but at the end of the day, it's going to be the MCU version of it, and it's going to be what it's going to be. But I think that the one thing that is probably a pretty safe guarantee is that a group of heroes, when the multiverse collapses are going to band together and have to put things right again. So, like, there is a who's who's list of, like, if you look at Secret Wars – you're like, all right, well, okay, you got a, you got a Star Lord, you got a Reed Richards. There's a, there's a T'Challa, um, and so I, I think that it seems like with um, a Werewolf by Night coming out, introducing the monstrous part of the Marvel universe, mm. uh, Elsa Bloodstone, all that stuff. Like, it seems like 
Kevin Feige or Marvel or whatever wants Blade to be a part of this world. Like there is a desire that Blade is going to be in the MCU. And I think right now what it feels like is the desire for Blade to be a part of things is outweighing the ability to get a Blade movie made. Hmm. Um, so I don't know what that means for Blade, but yeah, this out of everything that has sort of been announced going forward, like we're definitely getting Fantastic Four. We're definitely getting Brave New World, Captain America Four. I think we're definitely yeah. getting Thunderbolts. Um, all those movies, you you kind of understand how they fit a little bit more. Um, but yeah, Blade is sort of that outlier of like, well, what what is a vampire in the MC a vampire hunter, a vampire vampire hunter in the MCU look like? How does that fit with everything else? Um, you know, does it tie into the Black Knight from Eternals based on the Eternals mm. closing credit sequence? But like, yeah. what the fuck is happening with the Eternals? And as I said earlier, there's a giant fucking celestial floating in the ocean and nobody seems to bring it up. So there's just giant pieces of the Marvel universe that are kind of like, just like, <laughs> well, I don't know. Nobody else has said anything about it. So who the fuck knows? So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I hope Blade gets made because it feels like it would be something new and different. And as we were saying earlier, like, I think that's what Marvel really needs right now is give us something that feels new. Yeah. I don't know if there's any upcoming MCU movie or anything in the MCU. Well, I, here's what I think. I don't think the Scarlett Johansson project is going to get made. Uh, that's what I would throw out there. I've heard Nova. I don't think, I don't know if Nova is going to get made at this point. Like really, I think, you're going so far out there at this point. I don't know if if people are really going to be really willing to go along with you at this point. So I would say those two are in the mix for me. But Blade, coming back to the Blade stuff, Michael's making excellent points. I agree with all that stuff. And also, you know, if you if you date enough people, there's always that one person you date, and it's like it just you just can't seem to like everything on paper says you guys should totally work out. But stuff comes up. Oh, my uncle died, or I got in a car crash, or my sister. I got, you, you just can't find the right time to connect. Um, and oh, I got to go out of town. I booked this job. And so that, belie- that fleeting possible connection ends up becoming uh, something that dissipates. And I think Maharshal Ali is at this point. I mean, he has been through so many writers and then directors and different takes. And at some point, you sour on the project. And I wonder if Maharshala is like, I've been sitting on hold on this thing for how many years now? Enough. And he, and this is crazy. He could age out of it. Because remember, they cast him at a certain age. And if they keep delaying and delaying, Maharshala could age out of it. And somebody else, they may want to look at somebody else and go in another direction. Yeah. So there's a real possibility that with Blade. Yeah, and you know, in terms of the projects that Marvel has announced, the only one that has not come to fruition was uh, Inhumans. So, but there was never a star attached. There right, was never a right, writer. Right. There was no never director. That was that was publicized. Yeah, yeah. at least this would be if Blade doesn't end up happening. This would be the most high high profile project that Marvel was supposed to do that yeah. they ended up not doing. Now, Mahershala Ali is a phenomenal actor. He is also pushing 50 at this point. So, and and granted, like, you know, 50 in Hollywood's not not normal 50. Like, you know, you are going to have access to the best trainers and all this. But at some point, as John put it, um, you might get tired. He might get tired of kind of waiting around. And my suspicion is if he goes away, they're not looking to recast Blade anytime soon that the movie goes away. 
which I think also, I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, we and John's been covering this a lot and we've been talking about it a little bit, but like you look at the fantastic mm-hmm. forecasting and how it just seems like they're going out, you know, oh, Adam Driver did past it. We were just going to be this person. It was going to be that person. Like, oh, yeah. I think, you know, not only do you have people attached to Marvel projects that might be waning on it, but I don't think that coming on to a Marvel project right now quite has the luster that it did. Uh, and that you might be a little bit there. They might be having a hard time. Like, look, it's kind of like for, for three phases, Marvel was a brand new Prius driving down the freeway (laughs) and it was shiny and pretty and you could hop in that thing and just take it all the way you wanted to. But phase four and five is like that Prius is on the side of the road. And I don't know if I'm going to get in this car guys. It doesn't look like it's going anywhere. (laughs) Yeah. And that's when you may have to get a new car. That's for sure. James Gunn Gunn pulls up in yeah. James Gunn pulls up in a Tesla, and you're like, yeah, I'm gonna hop in that Tesla. Let's go, James. (laughs) And then you look at the back seat, five miles down the road, and you're like, what's all this mess in here, James? (laughs) (laughs) Why? Why is Jason Momoa in the back seat? (laughs) He won't leave. He won't leave. Oh, man, that's good. So, FireFan1980, thank you for that. We've got another one from Chris Corcoran here. Mm. And (laughs) would you guys do a not-safe-for-work late-night show? And if so, what would you call it? The Freak Buddies? The Hard Mic? (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Uh, Guys, what do you think? I I don't feel like we really censor ourselves here. (laughs) Do you want to get dirtier? I mean... (laughs) I don't know. I mean, Um, I want to get dirtier just to watch Shannon turn bright red. (laughs) Like I don't was know that the, I don't was, know that Jan I don't know that Shannon can handle a not safe for work episode of Geek Buddies. Not was, wh- sober. Not sober. We all know Shannon sober has all the walls up and the let's be courteous to everyone walls up. But like once Shannon has a few drinks in him, the ball punches come out, the comments okay. come out. You know, we all know it, Mike. So I think we'd have we'd have to do it late night somewhere, but we'd have to be together. Like it would be good at a studio, like at like midnight after we've gone drinking for a majority of the evening, and then pop on and have some fun. Because I, th- I still think we'd be able to limit we... ourselves to a certain degree. But, what yeah. would we talk about that we don't talk about already? That's a good point. That's a good point. What do you, okay, in the chat, in the chat, let us know yeah. as we talk about this other stuff. What do you want if we did the Freak Buddies the freak or the buddies. Hard Mike or no, I like the Freak Buddies? Freak Buddies. If we did the Freak Buddies one night, uh, yeah, what would you want to know? What do you want us to talk about? Yeah, Freaks let us come know out in the at chat. Night. Let us know in the chat. So, Chris Corcoran, thank you for that. We've got another one here. Uh, this is from uh, Jonathan Peck. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, you guys talked about the state of Pixar due to Elemental's box office. Now, a couple of weeks have passed. Elemental's yeah. gross, uh, about over four hundred million wor- worldwide, was concerned about Pixar a bit overblown. Um, I- to me, not yet. Uh, yeah. One one movie is not the rebound after they've had so many kind of creative misses in a row. Mm-hmm. I think they could potentially be on be on the path, be on the right path. But I don't think, and also because critically, um, Elemental and like I've not seen it. Uh, I, you guys would be able to speak to it better. I mean, does it feel like Elemental is back to classic Pixar? Does it seem like more of more of what we've been getting recently. Johnny? Mike? Oh, well, I, okay. real quick. I can't explain it because for me, the love story doesn't work. But there's a sweetness to the film because the immigrant story really works. 
And I like the vocal performances from everybody in the film. And I'm nothing but happy that this film has crossed the $400 million mark. And a couple of weeks ago, um, the reason we felt this way is because everything was trending downward. And the fact that it's, and it's been more than a few weeks, I think, and the way it's persevered and just kept going, I think is another um, a positive thing about word of mouth. And as Michael said earlier, people wanting to see something different. And it is a different kind of Pixar film. It is not your standard. The immigrant story is not a standard thing with Pixar movies. So I like that you you got that in the movie. So to me, I, I'm happy to be wrong because um, people are really enjoying the movie. And I think there are some elements of the movie that are really good. So that's a good thing for Pixar. Yeah, you look, I'm a Disney fan. I'm a Pixar fan. So I... It's I'm it's the closest I get to the uh, sports analogy of rooting for your team through thick and thin. Um, <laughs> so I, I root for Pixar. Like I'm happy that Elemental is making money. I'm I'm also happy just because I think I'm happy for animation. I think what 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 one of the things that we're learning as we all sort of navigate the new world of movies and box office and audience appetites in a post streaming world is mm -hmm. that animation continues to be a pretty solid bet. Um, that audiences are going to show up for anime. Parents are going to want to get out of the house with the kids and they might not go opening weekend, but Puss in Boots 2 and Elemental show that they'll keep going to those movies. Com add that to the fact that Super Mario Brothers, Into the Spider-Verse, two of the biggest movies of the year, TMNT, really strong opening, uh, not, yeah. you know, didn't break any box office records, but just nice, solid box office performance on its way to getting its sequel. And animation is strong. Like we, as a culture, adults go to see animated movies. Kids go to see animated movies, yeah. men, women, all races, like everyone goes to see animated movies. So I think it's great that Elemental is doing good because it means that studios are going to continue to bank on animation. Um, do I think yeah. it's up to Pixar standards? No, I think that John is right. There's a good immigrant story in there. I wish they had focused on it more. I wish they mm -hmm. had been a little bit riskier with it. We said this when we talked about Elemental a few weeks ago, and I think that even though I'm happy that the box office is doing well, I think that my thoughts on Pixar still stand, which is Pixar used to be the thing that we had never seen animated movies like that before. Pixar mm -hmm. used to be the world, oh my God, like A, the CG animation blew us away. Every, you know, oh, it's the first time you saw hair like that in animation. It's the first time you yeah. saw humans look that good in animation. Like Pixar just just paved new ground every time with their movies. And now we're at a point where most studios and most CG studios can make really amazing looking CG. So now it's like, you really have to tell us stories that we haven't seen before. And I think that it's been a while. I think inside out is the last Pixar movie that we all saw that we were like, fuck, I can't believe this movie got this deep about feelings. And yeah. we've seen some really nice Pixar movies since then, but nothing that was like, holy shit, man, that hit me in the gut. And I just think Pixar needs to push their boundaries to really find a new thing that we're like, holy shit, Pixar just punched me in the gut. So thank you for that, Jonathan Peck. We got another from Fredtastic314. I think we kind of talked about this already. I believe Barbie worked because it was new and fun. Simple as that. And not a rerun of pre-existing properties that gave nothing new. Good stories matter. Fred Chastic, we... yeah. yeah, Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I was going to say, we, we agree wholeheartedly, and John's yeah. about to give you a specific example of that. Well, like Joyride what are you talking about? was new and yeah. fun and simple and didn't make money. 
So it's beyond. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You I, you can't explain it. You can't. You could say, oh, it was a good movie. Plenty of good movies don't make money. It was new. Plenty of new movies don't make money. It was fun. Plenty of fun movies don't make money. It was original. Plenty yeah. of original movies don't make fun money. Well, so I mean, it's I think- just an anomaly. And it and thank and we should just be thankful for it instead of trying to dissect it like we're playing Operation uh, in Mrs. Johnson's ba- basement with 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 Shelley. First of all, <laughs> what an oddly specific that, example. <laughs> very specific. Well, but I think, it, I think it, this midnight. No, this is just so, so somebody has already been hitting the sauce um, in Mrs. Johnson's basement. <laughs> Um, no, but I do think that it kind of works both ways. I think it is true that the movies that hit really big are new and fresh and good. Like everything you listed there, the mo- those movies that really break through are all those things. John is also right that there's a bunch of movies that do that that don't break through. So there is some kind of special sauce. There is kind of magic because Joyride is a joy. Joyride is a laugh out loud, hilarious movie, super original, super funny, and it just didn't quite grab audiences um so yeah look i'm thrilled and i've been listening to the barbie soundtrack at the gym every morning so uh thanks to thank you to to them for that yo and that billy eilish song is is fucking amazing man thank you fredtastic we got another one from francisco lopez will you guys do a spoiler review for blue beetle absolutely yeah Uh, it is trending in that direction with these first reactions i don't know if you guys talked about it but certainly we should do we did a little bit talk about it we also we also agreed that when you do the review you have to wear a george lopez beard like he has in that movie (laughs) we didn't actually but i'm addressing that But I will say, just, I am going to think... break. I should say this to the guys and say this to y'all who are listening. I am going to break the idea of promoting that movie. I am going to promote that movie as the first Latino led superhero film. I will take all kinds of shit as a SAG actor for promoting that movie. Zola Maradueña, uh deserves all kinds of love. And I'm seeing all the first reactions that are fantastic. I will be giving away five Fandango codes for that movie. And I had said I'm not going to promote movies on my while the strike's going on, but for this one, I will take all kinds of shit because I feel a sense of pride. And these first reactions make me even more committed because I want to do whatever I can on my platform to get people to go see this Latino-led superhero movie. Um, so, yeah. So give me all the shit you want. I'm, I'm going to keep I'm going to do it for this movie. So just let you guys know. All right. This next one is from Jay Scott for real, unless you have something to add, Mikey. I just hope it does well. I'm rooting for Blue Beetle. I, yeah. I don't know if it's going to be good. I'm still on the fence, as we said earlier, but uh, I'm a little bit more hopeful based on like what I've been reading. Um, I'm rooting for it. I'm rooting for it. Yeah. I'm hopeful. Yeah. All right. This next one, Jay Scott for real says, hey. Set, setting financial success aside, who do you think has had the strongest body of work so far? Greta Gerwig or Jordan Peele? Wow. Okay, so... Is a great question, but it's it's tough to compare the two, to be honest with you, because Jordan has done more stuff, so it's not really apples to apples in that way. But well, Greta, how many movies has Greta Gerwig directed? Three, 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 yeah. and he's directed, and Jordan Peele's directed three. Oh, but but he's produced so many more things. So if we're just focusing on directing, I would say focus on directing. Okay, then I would say Greta has the stronger body of work so far. But I think Jordan has the most inventive body of work so far compared in, in, in comparing the two of them. Because right. I think Greta Gerwig's, each of her movies 
is fantastic and each one is better than the one before. Yeah. Whereas with Jordan, us is a little bit on the fence. Yeah. Um, I gotta yeah. go Greta Gerwig because of that. Like yeah. I think I think Jordan Peele goes, it goes get out us. Yeah. Nope. For me. For like oh, okay. for me. And I think it's it goes Lady Bird, Little Women, Barbie. Like she's going in she's going in the right direction and Jordan Peele's going in the wrong direction. Yeah, I think I think Jordan Peele has the best movie. I think of those six films, oh, Get yes. Out is is yeah. the best movie. Yeah, I agree um, with that. But in term, but in terms of total filmography as a director, yes, I would agree that Greta Gerwig is the winner there. Only because of us, to be honest, because I like Nope. I, I put it a high two, but Us is so kind of not quite one hundred percent figured out. See, I like Us more than Nope. I think Nope, Nope let me down at the end. It's not my, it's not my movie. It let you down, Michael. <laughs> All right, um, <laughs> thank hey, you, Jay Scott. No, yeah, yeah, we do. Oh, okay. <laughs> this next one is uh, another one from Empire Fan 1980. Did you guys see and hear the rumors that Chloe Bennett has been teasing that Quake Sky from Marvel's Agents of Shield on ABC will be in the MCU? I hope this is true because I love her. Um, I had heard that it might she might pop up in Secret Invasion. Um, that didn't happen. Um, I, I don't know what she gets the MCU right now. Um, I think at this point they kind of have bigger fish to fry, in my opinion. I think when I think when your family is falling apart, you don't let the second cousins come to dinner. <laughs> like I think that like, like you just like. <laughs> agents of shield agents of shield like yeah. as, for the time that it was out as a show like i get why the people loved what they loved about it i get that it sort of is like now like the weird stepchild because of the way that everything has gone down with the mcu but it's like at this point it's like in yeah. in, a, in a in a cinematic universe where even your bigger cameos are falling flat and making us groan and not getting us what we want. Like, don't give us the second tier cameos. And I'm not, and that's not anything against Chloe Bennett and her performance in agents of shield. It's more about just sort of agents and shield as a whole. And it, what it's vibe is compared to a lot of the other stuff in the MCU. So <laughs> this is what I, whenever anyone mentions Chloe Bennett in the MCU, I just go, no, it's ridiculous. I know you guys love Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I know there's a fan base for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It was not a good show. Uh, present Company Excluded, who was great on the show in the, in the, camp, in the uh, uh, day, uh, uh, role he had. But I, 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 Chloe Bennett and everybody involved in that show should not jump into the overall main MCU. No. They don't have the quality to do that. And let me tell you something about Hollywood. And uh, Present Company Excluded. Right, present of Company Excluded. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Uh, but like you look at, uh, you saw what you see what's happening now with Gal Gadot, right? She is promoting a movie that is getting torn to pieces, and uh, she's talking about Wonder Woman the whole time, probably because she can't talk about that one uh, that movie because of the strike and everything. But it's a way to keep you talking about her, right? Chloe, what has Chloe been doing since Abominable? Not much. And when you look at um, the the ending of the Powerpuff Girls movie, which was apparently horrific and then they tried again and then just killed it that tells you chloe is not that good of an actress i'm gonna straight up say it and and like michael said to me i view it in that prism and i don't know if michael meant it that way but i see it that way in that 
because she's not that good of an actress, she's a second cousin, and you don't want to bring that into the main overall MCU. Now, I know some of you love her, and I'm not saying that you're wrong. Please feel the way you want. But for me, and I sense from the MCU and whole and the people in charge of the MCU, bringing in Chloe Bennett is not something they want to necessarily do. You know, they brought Homie in from Thunderbolts and quickly dispatched him. And there's a reason for that. So Inhumans. Inhumans, right. Sorry, Inhumans. Uh, so there's a reason for that. So just throwing that out there. But, yeah. yeah. Well, we've got one more from Empire Fan here. Okay. And I hope Peaches and the Ken song from Barbie get Oscar nominations. I really want to see Jack Black on stage at the Oscars singing Peaches. You know what? I, I mean, think that... Happen. That yes, that very much could happen, and I think Jack Black performing that song in front of all the the stuffy suits would be really funny. Like that is not even that is not even an outside the realm of possibility. That is well yeah. within the realm of possibility. Yeah, I would love that. I have the um, his performance at the Hollywood Bowl saved as a video on my computer because it's so damn good. And you guys know, uh, you know, you guys know, I'm not the biggest Jack Black fan on everything, but. His peaches is incredible. Um, and I'm mad it's only like two minutes. I, I want I wanted like a five minute opus uh, of a song like that. So did you uh, did you guys talk about the Sydney Sweeney? Someone's asking about it in the chat. Um, we did not. We did okay, not so talk about real, Sydney Sweeney yet. But just real quick, because it's on the thumbnail, and I know we're, we're almost at the, the two hour mark, but um Sydney Sweeney confirmed that she is playing Spider-Woman. Now I know that was a speculation, people saying that, but it was the first time she's actually confirmed it. That was yesterday. So, gentlemen, we just had a Spider-Woman in Across the Spider-Verse, completely different from the Sydney Sweeney version of Spider-Woman, Jessica Carpenter. So are you guys excited by this, that she's actually playing this role? Or do you feel like, God damn it, it's being wasted in the Sony approach to this Madam Web story? What are your thoughts on this? Because a lot of people are liking Sydney as an actress. And I got to see the, um, H the Max film she did about... Um, the person who revealed those secrets, uh, uh, the military secrets that she revealed. So uh, what do you guys think about this? I mean, there are a lot of people that have been in those Sony Marvel movies that I think are dynamite actors, but I still <laughs> think those movies, I, I, don't, I don't think Sydney Sweeney's going to necessarily move the needle and make Madam Web a, a great film. Now, could it buck the trend of everything that's come before it with the two Venom films and Morbius and be good? Yeah, there's always... There's always a chance that a movie's going to turn out well. And in general, you don't set out to make a bad movie. Um, sometimes the people that are in charge, though, that are that are making those making those decisions, you know, you maybe they just don't you don't always have the same tastes as some of those folks. Um, so there's a possibility. But it's, in terms of her playing Spider-Woman, like, nah, not really. In terms of the Spider, even Spider-Man lore, I always thought Madam Web was kind of kind of off and kind of weird and like wasn't really my thing so yeah Mike? but sydney sweeney's um, great in uh the hbo show oh euphoria just, no uh oh reality winner reality white white lotus oh i don't watch that so okay uh you don't watch white lotus <laughs> no i hated the first episode of the first season so i was like yeah i'm not going back to watch this it could it's be a show like about how horrible white like, people are. It is literally a white people horrible show. Like it is. Yeah. Oh, I've had decades of that. It's so good. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Yes, you got to watch White Lotus. This is my new. This is my new succession. My new succession oh. is getting you to watch White Lotus. Oh no! Um, and then Shannon can do all the White Lotus theme song every time we take a break, and I'll be thrilled. But uh, <laughs> here's what I think about Sydney Sweeney. 
I think I think Sydney Sweeney's great. I I think she's yeah. good. Here's here's what I will say. You know, when we were at Comic Con this year, one of the things I noticed is thanks to the Spider Verse movies, uh, mm. particularly across the Spider Verse. People were dressing up as every freaking kind of Spider-Man they could. There was Spider-Men. There was Spider-Women. There was Spider-Bob Ross. There was Spider-Cowboys. There was Spider-Noir. Like, every kind of spider that you could see. You President Spider-Man. Like, it's everything. Um, You just put a Spider-Man mask on in any kind of costume, and you're like, I'm in the Spider-Verse. And I think that the one thing I'll say for the Madam Web movie is at least we're getting a Spider-Person in this connected Spider-Universe, which is more than Uh, we've gotten thus far. So if if they played their cards right now, given everything they've done so far, that's a very big if um, (laughs) giving us a spider hero that we can root for on any level that will be able to interact with all of these villains that are now antiheroes might be what we need. Like Mm -hmm. if it's not going to be a Peter Parker and it's not going to be a Miles Morales, but if you give us a spider person and yeah. you turn her into something that's awesome and cool, and we're all like, I'm on board, and because of the Spider-Verse, we are very open to different iterations of Spider-People. Um, sure, maybe. Like, at least it's a Spider-Person. That's what I will say for this yeah. news. So I'm not saying the same thing for every single one of these movies. I, I, I don't know that they're going to nail this, but at least it's a Spider-Person. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, we've got some Streamlabs, so should I run through these real quick uh, before let's we wrap up it. the show? Okay. Yes. Uh, I am 2 fly Cam says, hi, buddies. I just got here, but I wanted to ask, who do you both think is lying here? Uh, Gal Gadot or James Gunn? Also, do you still do you both still write for uh, Strawberry Shortcake? Aren't you both WGA? So clarify that second part first, and then what you guys think about Gadot or Gunn, who is telling the truth here? Um, well, writing for Shannon on Strawberry Shortcake ended well before the strike. Actually, I guess writing for me on Strawberry Shortcake ended well before the strike as well. But it wouldn't have mattered because Strawberry Shortcake uh, is a, a younger age show. And most animation, um, with the exception of a few more adult shows and primetime shows, most animation is in the Animation Guild which is a yeah. separate union from the Writers Guild. So, for example, I'm not a WGA member, but I am an Animation Guild member. So uh, we're working on most kids' animation, um, most superhero shows, most stuff like that. It all falls into the 839 union, um, mm-hmm. which is not currently at strike, and you're still allowed to work. Even writers who are WGA and 839 are still right. allowed to work on 839 shows. Now, there's a bigger discussion to be had that all writers, whether you're writing animation or live action, should be treated the same and all should be getting paid the same. But let's get justice for our current writers first, and then we'll tackle animation writers another day. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and uh, I wouldn't say anybody yeah. is lying, but I feel like Gal is maybe, <laughs> maybe she is not holding the lasso of truth right now. Oh, Mis- misinterpreting, embellishing. Sure. Uh, yeah. I said this on Hot Mike last night, and I'm not going to go deep into it, but I know people, you have your heroes, but this is a business. And in a business, for all you want to believe that there's altruistic people in the world, and they are in their causes, when it comes to the cutthroat world of Hollywood, brand saving is massive. You saw The Rock on the Kevin Hart show completely be purposely oblivious to the reasons Black Adam did not do well at the box office. <laughs> so it's not surprising that Gal Gadot, who wants to stay in the conversation and may feel there's a little yeah. bit of 
what do you call it? A little bit of um, uh, shaky ground under James Gunn right now with how DC uh, has done over these last few movies with The Flash and what have you, and Shazam 2, maybe she senses there's a way to get back in there and play Wonder Woman. And it may not be from a negative place. It may just be because she loves playing the character so much. It may not be from a selfish, I need to be loved place. It may be from a place of, I love this character so much, I'm going to do whatever it takes to play it again. So, you know, it may be that no one's lying. It's just people have intentions. So, you know. Uh, all right. So the next one okay. here is from Claris, okay. Claris Bell. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Mike. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no. Just, uh, that was a, that was a very. Claris Bell says, greetings from Panama. Have you, have any of you watched Good Omen season two yet? Gentlemen. I have not yet. Okay. I have not, but I'm very excited to. I actually was going through everything yesterday and like making a list of the things I need to catch up on. And I'm currently, uh, I just finished season one of Unicorn Warriors Eternal on HBO Max. And I uh, caught up on My Adventures with Superman. I'm catching up on Harley Quinn season four. And uh, then Good Omens is next on my list. I feel like Mike is sitting there with like the pen from Rita Skeeter. And she's just like, he's like, and this, and this, and this. (laughs) I got to get on it. I got to do that too. Gentleman scientist says, sorry, you had car trouble, Road Warrior Roka. (laughs) Yeah, right. Here's a fiber to help. Thank you. I'm wondering how can DC slash Warner slash CW think canceling good shows like Stargirl, but letting awful shows like Gotham Knights air. It makes no sense to me. Gotham Knights barf. Okay. Wow. But they canceled Gotham Knights, right? So it, yes, yes, it did get canceled. So I think the the only show that is alive is is Superman and Lois. Okay, yeah, right. But they, I mean, look, I think do you guys think that it's a bad, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I think we're in a really weird time because I mean, like, it's I think all of those CW shows. Uh, look, Superman and Lois is like the exception because, uh, and it's like I think it, it just has that feeling. It's like a little bit of a bigger budget. A little bit higher quality, but I think, and we've talked about this before, like all of those CW superhero shows for a long time, I mean, for for decades at this point, like that was the best superhero content we got on TV. Like that was what superheroes on TV, like that's as good as it got. And the second that Marvel starts making Marvel TV shows and DC is doing the Penguin and everything else, like that level of superhero show and like where it fits in the bigger multiverse of these worlds that we're creating it starts to get really like if we're going to get the feature version of these heroes on TV on a weekly basis, where do these shows exist? So I think mm. we're just sort of at this weird transition time. Now that doesn't mean we're not going to come back to it because I think we could very easily get to the point where having this thing where we're getting all of our movie superheroes on TV every week, a might be one of the reasons that people aren't going to the movie theaters as much and B from a budget and schedule standpoint might start to get really unwieldy the more that they do it. And it might be that thing where like at a certain point, everyone's like, all right, and we're going to go back to here's our TV superheroes and here's our movie superheroes. So Mm. it could all change over time, but I think that's kind of where we're at right now. Mike. Oh, Shannon, anything you want to add to that? No. Okay. (laughs) Anonymous said, speaking of animation, have you guys seen or have thoughts on, the Adam and Eve one shot uh, from Critical Role season two, or or have you seen Critical Role season two? So uh, I've not seen the Adam and Eve one shot. How about you guys? I have not. I think uh, uh, clearly I'm behind on my Amazon Prime watching mm. because that's also where Good Omens is. Uh, I've been I've been watching a lot of Apple Plus, finishing Silo, and watching Hijack. 
Um, the Adamy one shot is one shot is fantastic. It's really, really, really good. Um, made me made me remember all over again why I loved Invincible season one so much. Uh, mm. Great Adam Eve story, great backstory. And Robert Kirkman was explaining at Comic Con um, uh, when he was on a panel there with EW for the EW panel that in addition to wanting to give fans something to tide us over until season two of Invincible com Invincible comes out in November, um, if you've read the Invincible comics, like. Adam Eve, her backstory, how she became who she became, where her powers came from, that all does play important parts in things moving forward. And they thought that this was like a really nice way to sort of give her a nice featured role, get some really important information out there that is going to kind of play into seasons later on. Um, mm. I thought it was great. It made me super, super excited for season two of Invincible. Yeah. Yeah. Looks good. Um, all right, let's see here. What else we got? Uh, Wayne Edwards. Oh, no, wait. What are you, where, where's the other one? Doug Developer said, Oh, am I missing these? Oh, wow, maybe I'm missing these. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm in the wrong one. Sorry about the only that. Guys. thing that broke down. Hey, oh, <laughs> I am too fly. Cam says, I want to be excited for Ahsoka like you, Michael, but after the embarrassing moments in Kenobi and the terrible performance of Boba Fett. I just feel anxiety of how bad this could go. Maybe they should just sell Lucasfilm to, I don't know, better writers, maybe, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> listen, I to play. he's very emotional. Sell, <laughs> if you could sell IP to writers, I think writers would take it. But uh, um, I don't think any writers that I know can afford the price tag on Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars. Um, you know, you're not wrong. I mean, look, I don't think that Star Wars is quite in the place that Marvel is that at the moment, but it's not far off. Uh, I think there's a lot of sort of concern about where things are going. Um, but look, Andor was great. I think the Ooh. Star Wars universe has a lot of juice left in it. I think that Filoni loves these characters a lot. Yeah. Like I like this is, I think of all the projects that have come out. I think like they, you know, Filoni and Favreau clearly love Mando, love Grogu, love like love building that story. But like these are Filoni's characters: Ahsoka, Hera, Sabine, Chopper, Thrawn. Although uh, not more Timothy Zahn's character, but what Filoni did with Thrawn in Rebels, like he loves these characters. If there was any project that Filoni is like, I'm gonna make sure that I get this right, it's this one. So I don't disagree with you. I definitely have anxiety too, but I'm mostly excited. We will see when we do our first spoiler review if the pilot episode or the first two episodes of Ahsoka on the 23rd sustain my excitement or make me start to get worried, but uh, we will see. <laughs> Shane, any thoughts on that? On on Ahsoka? I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you, we're coming off kind of a disappointing third season of Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. It, it hangs heavy, but in between was Andor. And granted, Andor may not have been for everybody. Like it was it was maybe a, a, a little too serious. Um, but I think a lot of folks did really like it. And you saw what Tony Gilroy was able to accomplish. And so as to what Vogel said, you know, Filoni is the guy, you know, he, he's one of the creators of Rebels. He's one of the creators of Sokotano. Like these are near and dear to his heart. So fingers crossed that he was able to able to knock this one out of the park. Yeah, I feel like Owen Wilson in in Armageddon. I'm like 98% excited, 2% scared, or or 2% excited, 98% scared. I don't know yet. So I'm in that kind of middle place. 
But the, the last trailer <laughs> certainly felt like it was Andor-like. And so that makes me excited for Ahsoka. And I have faith that Filoni knows what he's doing with this character. And we're going to have a lot of fun with this particular series, for sure. Uh, GB underscore fan says, please skip if it's too far off topic. But are, are you all gamers? If so, what you playing? Shannon has uh, motion sickness, so he's not a gamer anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I used true. to be. Yeah, man. Oh, Even wow. like, like I, 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 I have never been great with first person games. I was always, yeah. I was better at third person. Um, Uncharted is, is my franchise. Uh, so, and I like certain Assassin's Creed. Uh, Black Flag is, I think, one of the one of the best games ever made. Um, but even recently, like going back and like trying to play a little Uncharted, like I, I just I, I have a really hard time. I can play for about ten minutes and then I start to feel sick. And then Vogel had me try. Vogel had me try uh, Spider Man. This is a couple of years ago, and uh, Peter Parker has never run so much in New York City as he did when I was <laughs> handling the controls. <laughs> Trying, trying to get Shannon McClung to web sling in a video game was like was like trying to show your grandfather how the Apple TV works. Like it just, it was not in the cards. Um, I I would say I'm a casual gamer. I, I I like to check out the big games, especially the ones that are based on IP that I love. So most recently, um, obviously, I was playing Jedi Survivor. Mm. I'm very excited about Spider-Man 2. Uh, the trailer that was released at Comic-Con got me super, super stoked. And I do think, as opposed to Shannon, um, using the Force in Jedi Fallen Order and Jedi Survivor and web-slinging in the Spider-Man games, I think are the two coolest things to do in video games. Like, I... I would like I will go play Miles Morales Spider-Man some days on my PS5 and I won't even really do any missions. I will just straight up web sling around the city for about 15, 20 minutes to just calm myself down and then I'll go on with my day. That's that is what I would do with Arkham City. Like I would I would glide around. Yeah, I would glide around Gotham and, and occasionally beat up some people if they got mouthy. Uh, but yeah, I can't do that one either. I do. I mean, Mario, Mario Kart, I see in the chat. Mario Kart is like a forever game. Like I will always like, I will happily go over to anyone's house and have like a Mario Kart party and I will Mario Kart all day long. I will princess peach till my heart's content and make everything pink and throw as many turtle shells as possible. Like it is, it is, I, I will never get tired of Mario Kart for the rest of my life. I will be in the retirement home playing wow. Mario Kart with people forever. Hard to believe since Shannon be driving his Mario Kart with his mic. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a comment before you were gone. Oh, okay. When you were when you were gone, John, that that my screen over my mic looks like a little steering wheel, and I said, "Oh, oh no, I'm towed." <laughs> oh, That's and good. when we do our uh, freak buddies, not safe for work after dark, I'll tell you about strip video games. Oh, oh. Okay. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm a gamer in terms of the sports games for sure. And then like Michael, I That's pick up the big IPs. Okay. I pick up the big IP ones like Jedi Survivor. Uh, I have a God of War. Um, uh, God of War is fun. And the most recent Assassin's Creed Valhalla, that was a lot of fun to play. I have the Miles Morales. I will absolutely be getting Spider-Man 2. Um, but I'm obsessed right now because I'm an old man now 
I become obsessed with golf games and I've been playing golf games for hours. Like I have Tiger Woods and the new golf and I am obsessed with this. So this is my current state of gaming is playing the Tiger Woods game and the other PGA tour game that's out there from, I think EA sport. It's incredible. You guys talk about peaceful. It's peaceful. Very peaceful. Um, Let's see here. Uh, I am two Games says Nia DaCosta had an interview where she said the Marvels will be un- unlike any MCU movie. It will be wacky and silly. Are these people living in bubbles inside of bubbles? LOL. I will plan on avoiding the Marvels this year for sure. Your thoughts. Wow. Gentlemen, your thoughts on this? I think we talked about this when uh, post Comic-Con after that second Marvel or the full Marvels trailer came out. Like, oh, yeah. I want Marvel. I want it to be good. I I don't know that Brie Larson is ever going to be my 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 perfect Carol Danvers, but I also think that she hasn't had a chance to really. I don't think that the first Captain Marvel movie did anybody a lot of favors, and I would love to see a movie that was really well written and well directed to really let her see what she could do as Carol Danvers. Um, and I'm super super excited about uh, um, uh, Kamala Khan and. Mm. Um, why am I blanking on Tayona Paris? Tayona Paris. Yeah, Tayona Paris as Monica Rambo. Monica Rambo. Thank you. Um, I'm really <laughs> excited about both of them. I like. I thought Monica Rambo was one of the one of the best parts of Wandavision. Um, Kamala Khan's one of my favorite uh, characters in Marvel Comics, and so I think seeing them on the big screen, I'm really excited about. I I think a a really fun, hilarious, wacky, doesn't take itself too seriously Marvel movie. Uh, that isn't going as far as Thor Love and Thunder did could be fun, but mm. I kind of like with Blue Beetle, like I want it to be good, and I also have a bad feeling in my stomach about it. Mm. Yeah, Nia DaCosta, you know, I've 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 only seen her her Candyman film, and I thought it was I thought it was really really good. Yeah. So I think you know she she's got she's got directing chops. Um, and that last trailer, that was a really well edited trailer. That means it could be a great movie or maybe it's just a really well edited trailer. We won't know, but I mean, in either case, we're going, we're going to go see the movie and in most, most circumstances, we're probably going to see it twice. Yeah. Um, in my case, probably three or four times. One of them might be for a nap, nap. but that's no reflection on the movie. (laughs) (laughs) That is still one of the weirdest things that you do. Oh boy, sometimes a good movie nap. Um, I'm just happy you don't snore because I think that would irritate me if you snored if I was in the theater. But the fact you don't, I could care less if you fell asleep. I don't snore upright, but oh, Shannon snores. (laughs) Vogel. Oh, okay, fair enough. It's it's just usually it's it's drowned out by your snoring, Johnny. Fair point. (laughs) Here's what I would say. Nothing about Tona Paris and Brie Larson that I've seen and anything else are wacky and silly. But then again, I haven't seen their clone Tyrone. So maybe Tayona may change my mind on that when I see that movie. But yep. nothing about Brie Larson is wacky and silly. So I don't know if that's a comment just to get people in the theater or to focus on Kamala Khan more. But either way, we're going to give her a chance. I like Nina Costa. I'm more worried about the villain. And I think Zoe Ashton is a damn good actress. My concern is this doesn't feel like any kind of new villain. 
And it's all about revenge Agreed. on what Captain Marvel did. And that's going to feel real rote. And I that's my concern about the movie number one. Um, all right, Doug Developer says, do I have to know anything about Star Trek to enjoy Strange New Worlds? I'm having serious FOMO from all the praise it's getting online. Mikey, you want to take this one? As uh, we've been reviewing these episodes every week. Yeah, I don't think you do, actually. Um, I think that all you really need to know that's about the bigger Star Trek universe, they sort of cover within the series. So, like, absolutely, it might make you want to take a deeper dive into the Star Trek universe. But I think of all the Star Trek that's out there, uh, you can start at the beginning of season one of Strange New Worlds and just watch Strange New Worlds and just kind of love these characters and the fun adventures they go on. Um, yeah. you know, like, and, and as Johnny said, we review all the episodes each week and there's tons of Easter eggs, tons of references to original series stuff, to stuff in the bigger Star Trek universe. Um, you know, the villains in the big season two finale are tied back to the original series of Star Trek, but in a way you've never seen before. So yeah. I think you could watch strange new worlds and just enjoy it for what it is by itself, but also yep. it is a treasure trove of, references to bigger star trek stuff that like i've even been going back and rewatching old episodes of the original series recently um because it's gotten me in a big star trek kind of mood yeah here's what i would say doug because it's only two seasons because the season finale is today of season two i would say watch it and then check in to all the coverage from den of geek online to help you with any easter eggs or any suggestions for any tv shows as michael said any episodes that are being referenced in those episodes for a little bit of extra context. But overall, you can absolutely go cold into this show and enjoy it. For those of us who are Star Trek nerds, like Mikey and I, we're getting the references for the most part, and it's a extra fun to have with the show. But the show itself, like all great shows, must be able to stand on its own, and Strange New Worlds absolutely stands on its own, and you can thoroughly enjoy it without it doing any kind of deep dive into anything else. You really can't. Just doing the deep dive, you can go to yeah. Den of Geek and they'll list all that stuff you might need if you want to do it, like Mike said. Yeah. Yeah. Going into the show, all you really need to know is that uh, Captain Pike is going to end up in a black medical pyramid with a melted face and roll around and be able to beep yes or no. But like they cover that in the first episode. Like that's not a spoiler. We all went yeah. into Strange New Worlds going that going. That's where Captain Pike was going to end up. It's true. All right, let's, uh, let's wrap up with these last two questions real quick. So let's, let's answer them quick. I underscore am underscore Salahuddin says, just wanted to say the three of you are professional as heck. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, that's very nice. And one last one from Empire Fan 1980, and then we'll get on out of here. Uh, it, it is, um, rewatch the scene with Ahsoka. Rewatch the scene with Ahsoka and Luke and Boba Fett. Would watch a show of them, those two sitting down and recapping the movie slash Clone Wars and his mom. So I definitely agree that like mm. Ahsoka and Luke Skywalker talking about anything is almost guaranteed to make me emotional. Right. Like Ahsoka <laughs> being like, let me tell you, like, like, like Ahsoka being able to be like, let me tell you about Padme. We were really good friends. I'm like, well, yeah. here we go. It's the waterworks. Um, yeah, I love I love any moments that they are together. Um, I also want hope that the Ahsoka series doesn't fully rely on that and also takes Ahsoka into new territory. Yeah, fair point. I would love to see that. They'd never do it, but I would love to see that. And, um, you know, those scenes are from Filoni and Favreau. And so, you know, that should give you a tease of what you're going to get in Ahsoka. And then one last thing. J-Bo Flips says, uh, here you go. Thank you, J-Bo. 
very kind uh, to toss that in there. Um, <laughs> all right, that's everything. Was there anything else we need to cover? We're well over two hours. So are we good to go? Shall we wrap it up? How is your car? So here's the real quick story. The car uh, broke down on the side of the road. Uh, it had been giving, Shannon knows this. I had gotten a, a message on the car like weeks ago and it said something wrong with the hybrid system. And I looked it up on YouTube and a bunch of people said, you got to clean out your filter in the back. The, the um, Priuses are very sensitive. Just clean out the filter. So I clean out the filter in the back and the car runs fine for three weeks. And then randomly today, as we were coming back, as we were heading to the Wood Ranch to have our lunch, uh, the car, the warning light comes on on the car and the car absolutely shuts down and stops. And so we call the first tow truck driver. He takes about 30 minutes to come out. He, tow, he um, tows us to the auto zone so because he says it's a 12 volt battery. It's absolutely 12 volt battery. You got to change it out. That makes sense. I have bought one in five years. Fine. We, it, it was pretty penny, the, uh, the 12 volt battery. It was like $260, not cheap. So we replaced the battery. Um, he cooks it up. I turn it on. The car works. And I'm like, great. It was the battery. Fine. Give the guy 20 bucks a tip. He takes off. Five minutes down the road, the car absolutely shut us off again. And this time we wait an hour and a half for a AAA tow truck driver to show up. The guy shows up. Incredibly nice guy. Um, but he said the guy didn't restart your car and re um, hard reset everything. You have to do that when you put in a new 12 volt battery. So he unplugged it, plugged it back in, then did a hard reset on the electronics, everything in the car, and is working fine. And I said to him, still tow us just in case. So they towed us all the way back home, and the car is working. And I'm going to take it for a drive a little bit later and see what happens. But I'm going to do it with uh, Lindley driving behind me in case anything happens. Uh, but I'm going to take it into a uh, specialist over the weekend. So in the end, it was a pretty penny, almost 500 bucks. But hopefully it's fixed. Yeah, we'll see. Did you uh, did you give the second tow driver the first tow driver's car and be like, hey, he's got 20 bucks. Go get it. <laughs> yeah, I no, I gave that. <laughs> I tipped him 20 as well. Just but look, I mean, people people get you. It wasn't his fault or maybe he just wasn't aware of it, but he got us to the battery. The second tow truck driver driver got it fixed. So hopefully it's fine and, and we're good. But if it isn't, then it's a deeper issue, which may be a, a real um, a lot amount of money or it may be time to buy a new one. So we shall see. We shall see. So that's my situation there. For sure. So yeah, I'm underscore. So you literally had to turn it off and turn it on again. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Perfect. So, but then you know the car's ten years old. So you know it, it, it was bound to have some kind of issue with it. Priuses are fucking great cars. They run forever. Mm -hmm. So you know, just occasionally you have to take a little bit of a hit. That's the <laughs> they run. They run about ten years. It sounds yeah, like. Yeah, <laughs> Prius is, yeah, the, Prius is great. They run forever. As long as forever is 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got 104,000 miles on it. So it's not like, you know, it hasn't been driven. So, anyway, <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. I got to get some dinner. You guys got to go relax as well. And everybody who's joined you two for the first hour and a half and me for the last hour, uh, they probably want to go relax as well. So thank you all so much. Oh, no, you, Shannon, you did this. Thing. You, you, you ended. I, I, no, no, no. I'm out of gas. You okay, do. all right. Well, thank you all so much for joining us. We appreciate it madly uh, for joining us live. Um, uh, uh, Shannon, what do we have to tell them uh, with your little bit of gas that's left? 
Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. I'm throwing shells. If you'd like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK2. And if you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Says. Hee <laughs> hee. That's good. Mikey? Um, please tweet shannon at shannon underscore mcclung and tell him what a nice job he did today he was sweating bullets i've never seen him look so nervous it was like he was going on stage for the first time and he had never memorized his lines it was really something to see tell him he did a good job and after you're done doing that go ahead and smash this like button below subscribe to johnny's outlaw nation page check out all the amazing content that he has got uh leave your comments below in the youtube chat uh the chat here has been amazing you guys are wild i love it uh get ready for uh and not safe for work freak buddies coming soon to a youtube <laughs> near you if you are listening to this podcast go ahead and leave us some comments and some stars so we go up in the rankings and as always the best thing you can do is retweet this video post it on your socials send it to your friends and tell them to hang out with your buddies the geek buddies yeah let me echo michael's sentiments thank you shannon for stepping in i know it was a lot to throw at you last minute but seems like you handled it great so the fan the people in the chat are giving you all kinds of love so Thank you, Shannon. Uh, and thanks. <laughs> well, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll touch and go there. Take a uh, all right, let's get on out of here. You guys have been amazing. Thanks so much. Enjoy your weekend. Look for our spoiler review, Mike and I, of the finale of Star Trek Strange New World some point tomorrow. Woo! So it's, uh, yeah, I've got to watch it, you know, so I'm looking forward to it. But it's going to be a hell of a watch and a hell of a review. So don't forget about that. And then come back next week and join us all over again for some new episodes from The... Geek Buddies! <gasps> Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.